it's about getting into schools and talking to young people because you know I, I know that people can change uh, and, it, and it's about talking to people and getting them to understand and perhaps step back from violence and, and prejudice and whatever and we just need to work together and keep on the good fight there absolutely Hey there guys, we are ecstatically happy to announce that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The times are changing and with the unfortunate death of Sophie, those changes have made a massive impact for the future. If Sophie was with us still today, I can guarantee what you are doing will still be reaching so many lives of young teenagers, young adults and those who wish to be as different as possible so thank you very much to find out more about this incredible foundation and all the work they do and more importantly how you can help head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com hi this is uh doug williams the ambassador of british wrestling and you're listening to the chronicles of podcast with tom and jamie Are the Chronicles of Doug Williams? That is absolutely bloody correct, sir. Oh, lovely. I'm well excited for this. Welcome back, guys. Jamie, shall we? Oh, go on then. Hit it! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 26th edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. And these are the Chronicles of Doug Williams. It is I, the bearded brummy Jamie, and with me as always, as always, I do believe, guys, I do believe, I do believe, it's the Scotsman talk that Jamie said these... But we don't know because he just completely went silent. So oh, did it? I'm God pretty sure these are the Chronicles of Doug Williams. Am I right, Jamie? They are the Chronicles of Doug Williams. Oh, I, I aim to get as high pitched as physically possible, and this stupid microphone can't pick it up. That's what I mean. That's why I told you not to go, not to give it to so much Willie. I willy, can't help willy. it. I like to give it a good old bit of Willie. I bet you do. That reminds I me, I was watching Simpsons yesterday, and uh, Homer's an ice cream man. And Marge is making um, artwork of all the characters out of popsicle sticks. And he goes, here's your six, Marge. He goes, I have never, <laughs> this is the happiest I've ever been giving you wood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fucking brilliant. I love that show so much. <laughs> That's actually brilliant. It is brilliant. It was brilliant. It's been like, oh, the new one wants a shit, but that was fucking excellent, so... How are you, man? What's going on? I'm very good. I'm very frigging tired because I literally finished work an hour and a half ago. Here we are, half 11 at night. Let's get this done, baby. Night time. Recording. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry. Oh, yeah. It's night time. Night time. Recording. Recording. It's Chronicles Doug Williams. I don't understand how that's music. I love rock music. I love metal. 
But I don't understand people just do. It just makes no sense. It's doom metal I've never understood. I don't like, get it. It's literally they get the bass and go, bah! and the guy just go, oh, 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 oh. and someone just listen to that and go, that is the tits. What mood do you have to be in to listen to that sort of music? Could you imagine it's like going to a doom metal gig and everyone's just like, I have. It's like, really depressing. Really? It's the worst. Why is it, why is it called? Is, there, is everything coming to an end? Uh, pretty much. I think so. In their eyes, it is. Okay. Just no. It's not. It's not for me. Not for me. Hello, sir. Um, a good point was brought up to me today by uh, by Luke, which was: Do you reckon there's some really random working class people from the nineties with random yachts? <laughs> what? If you think back to nineties game shows, right? <gasps> like, okay. And it's like, oh, what a bit of bully, love a bit of bully. And it's like, let's see what you would have won. And they bring a massive yacht and they go, fucking take it back, take it back. Yeah. You know, it's like they tease them sort of thing, like, that's what you could have won, eh? Look at you bastard. You fucked up, didn't you? <laughs> dickhead. That's if only threw that dart straight to you, fucking dick. But yeah, so basically, there's obviously some people who won Bullseye who have a random yacht. That's a really good point. It is, isn't it? <laughs> so you could have won a speedboat. I live in Norwich. What am I going to do with a speedboat? <laughs> I mean, Norwich is very close to the coast. Um, I'm not good yeah, at geography. That's fine. Birmingham would have sufficed. Yeah. <laughs> We've got canals. That's why I didn't go with us. But there we oh, go. Okay. I'm gonna, I live in fucking Derby. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a really good fucking point. Because it makes me laugh watching watch, watch 90s game shows now with the prizes. And everyone's oh, the like, hilarious. Ooh! Like, oh, it's amazing! And it's like a JVC TV with a massive back on it and stuff. You're like, whoa! You could win this checkbook and pen. Oh, yeah. Why? Janice, Janice, calm down, Janice. It's all right. All right. I just bought the checkbook, Andrew. Oh, it's fucking gold. That's like the washing machine. It's like one setting. Has anyone ever met anyone that won any of this shit? I never did. I've never met anyone that's ever won anything. Can I just say, though, as a kid, I was obsessed with Blockbusters and I was obsessed with Wheel of Fortune. I loved Wheel of Fortune. Like, I'm on my Amiga, yeah, Amiga computer. Amiga? I would play the Wheel of, I'd play Wheel of Fortune and I'd just never stop playing it. I loved that's it. That's amazing. I just loved it. Spin the wheel and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, it's just the best time of my life. I never knew you used to know any of the answers. And then when it come up at the end of it, like, I knew that. I, I knew it was that. Oh. <laughs> But yeah, it was a really good point. I was like, there's got to be some random people out there that have randomly got a yacht or speedboat <laughs> or jet ski. I, re- I really want to know someone at jet ski. It's, yes. such, a ra- it's such a random like, big prize to win. Why not a car? You'd like, think what? they'd research where these people live before they offer those prizes. I just think they, they obviously just went, the main prize, right? There's got to be something on sea. We sell too <laughs> We have too many prizes, right, that are on land. Okay, washing machine, table, snooker table, TV, <laughs> etc. We need a fucking prize that's on sea because nobody has things that go on sea. Yachts, jet skis, boats, whatever the fuck you want. And what we'll do, right, it'd be really funny because they won't win main prize, okay, Dave? So what we'll do, Dave, 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 you're listening, right? So basically what we'll do, where's Stephen gone? Oh, he's eating by that line, wasn't he? So what we'll do is what... Well, <laughs> Dave... Is well, I've prizes on C, but what will happen is we'll make it so fucking difficult they can't win anything. 
So we'll bring it on. Be like, you're a fucking prick. Look what you could have had. See, see this? Yeah, you could have had that. that take it back. Fucking take it back. Sorry, bloody bastard here. Silly bastard. And you, you know that bloke that works out the back that couldn't get a job at McDonald's? He couldn't even pass his basic GCSEs. We'll have him stand there waving. Well, yeah, they women like, always be like hand models, don't they? Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you could win these crayons. My favourite one was, you could win this home workout system. Oh, yeah, that was weird as well. Like a, uh, you just get this bloke like, I want to throw darts, love. I don't want a workout yeah, yeah. system. So weird. <laughs> so weird. Uh, like Price is right. They call their name out and they go mental, like fall down <laughs> the stairs and shit. Like, fuck it. Up. Come on down, fuckers! They don't make games that like used to anymore, do they? Nah, it's bollocks now, isn't it? It's just TV. I mean, obviously, we will say, being the generation we are, we would say this. I think if we were if, if this generation now, we'd be like, oh my God, like, it's all, it's all reality TV. Bullshit now, isn't it? Oh, yes, like, nothing. We'll make up as many reality TV shows as possible where they shouldn't have sex. Oh, <laughs> exciting. Oh, I've actually got this body. I've got a 10-pack. Oh, I love the love you. Well, I, well, my name is Juan and I'm from Spain. I have a 14-pack. Fuck you. <laughs> like, do you know what? I really could care less. <laughs> you know what? I have a one-pack and I'm very happy with it. Thanks. Yeah, I'll get a one pack, a one pack of rolls. Hey. But then I always I find that you always find it, don't you? That that, uh, that like people like me, we sat there going, you fucking bastards, look at them. Oh, nah, nah, nah. Yeah, yeah, you think you're fucking funny, don't you? you think you're I, could have, I could have a body like that if I wanted to, enough. I could have body like that. <laughs> <laughs> Just say to it, stay to TV now. Is, is, he ain't no real man, Sheila. He ain't always, no real man. They always feel that reality TV. TVH everyone's attention away from what's really happening in the world, but we won't get. We, we're a funny show. We don't want to start, you know, delving. Let's not get political here. Let's not get political. We're not doing that here. Um, but yeah, I think that TV's really gone massively downhill. I don't remember the last time I actually watched a TV program like that's just on regular TV. I feel that like nineties were all about game shows. Two thousands, I don't really know, and now it's all about like crime dramas and. ITV and BBC dramas now, four parters with this yeah. time together with semi-professionals, professional actors. Saying that, I did see an advert for one. I think it's on BBC and it actually looks quite good. I'm tempted to actually watch it. Called? First Responder. In oh, court. with Martin Freeman. With yeah. Martin Freeman, yeah. That actually Martin. looks pretty good. Mum said it's really gritty and she really liked it. She reckons it's good. And she I saw a clip it. from it. His accent's actually half decent. He does a really good Scouse accent. Yeah, she said that as well. So that's definitely on list. Anyway, Jamie, how's things, man? What's been going on? So I massively deviated away yeah. from the 90s we love a We love a little deviate. Big break. What a show. Oh, what a show. With John Virgo. Oh, I'll be completely honest. I've done absolutely nothing. I've literally, I had one day off yesterday and then I've re-annered the previous five days. No way. I got one day off yesterday and now I'm re-anning for another five days. I'm on the dreadful 2 till 10 p.m. shift, so I get no time for myself. It's just, I've done nothing. Why are we recording this show right here, right now, at whatever time it is? Yeah, my one day off yesterday was, let's go see some family. Let's go food shopping. Let's sit on the sofa. So me and the wife actually played a bit of Xbox yesterday. We played a bit of Lego Star Wars. Nice. Just to chill out for a little bit. But other than that, I've done nothing. I've watched a little bit. I've been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now on season two. Nice. I forgot how good that season one finale is. This is one's decent. It's, great. it's a shit start. Yeah, like, but you got to build the characters. When you, in, when you get halfway through to the when Deathlock really appears and stuff, it gets fantastic. Yeah, I, I I forgot how good it was. Yeah. Like towards the end, I'm really really enjoying it, and it's now like they're trying to find the lost city. 
with all the carvings and shit. And I'm like, yeah. loving this, loving this. I forget, forgot how good that show started. But it did get me thinking. You know, like S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA and the James Bond universe and all that sort of stuff. These secret societies of spies and whatnot. These things have got to be based off something, right? What do you mean? Do you think they actually exist? These sort of hidden secret societies of spies? Absolutely. Absolutely. So MI6 is a real thing, isn't it? MI5, that sort of thing. But I think Bond was based off books, wasn't it? Bond was based off books, yeah. 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 So um, it's got to be. It's funny because when me and the half watch 24... 24 is another fine example. And yeah. She's like, oh yeah, don't you think this? I was like, they, they're bound to happen. There's probably loads of things that we don't even know about have happened or have been stopped or etc. Like things like that. So there's got to be. Some, loads I'd of love to know if some of these real things have happened. Because in the they're all like, we've got to get this sorted behind closed doors. No need to panic the public. I'm like, oh, what's happening behind closed doors in real life? What don't we know about? I, I don't think you want to know. Now I'm kind of intrigued, and I want to know what gadgets I've got access to that we don't know about. If wine and cheese isn't there, we ain't going to know that. <laughs> but, yeah, that's literally all I've been doing. I've done nothing. What about you? What have you been up to? Well, I'm well, thanks for asking. Um, I, I thought I asked that. I'm very tired. Uh, it's been a bit of a mental, like, I haven't stopped. So, obviously, I've been reanimating. Um, didn't go to cinema last week. But me and the other half, sorry. It's quite late. <sighs> um me and the half went away. Um, we went to a place, I can't pronounce it. I'm not going to butcher Welsh, the Welsh language <laughs> live on our show. So what I'm going to say is it's M-A-E-S-M-W-A-R, farm. <laughs> yeah, that. Mice farm. Mice, mice farm, run by mice. Mice, M-W-A-R, farm. Um, war. Uh, but yeah, it was, dude, unbelievable. It was literally unbelievable. It was the greatest weekend ever. A uh, bit gutted that we couldn't stay on the Sunday because we literally got there Friday night and left Sunday morning at 9am. Like, you need to oh. leave because we need to do COVID checks. You need to clean it out and disinfect this and that. And we're like, but we've paid all this money for a night and a day. But it was, dude, it was just the best. It was so worth it. The hot tub was magnifique. That's the first time I've ever had a hot tub weekend away ever. Um, and it was just wonderful. And we did literally nothing. And it was great. That's what you want, really, isn't it? We literally sat there Friday night at 10 p.m. in a hot tub. It's pissing down the rain, didn't give a shit. Drinking wine. It was like minus one. And it was just lush. Um, it, they're so hot, you can't even tell it's freezing out there. I bet as soon as you got out of it, though. Oh, yeah. That, that, was, that, was, that was tasty. Um, <laughs> so Saturday... We thought what we'll do Saturday is we'll do nothing all day because we've got one whole day to enjoy this hot tub. So we went in the hot tub four times. And in, the, in between the four times, we watched The Truman Show. We watched Liar Liar. And we watched the number 23, so three Jim Carrey movies. I was going to say three Jim Carrey movies. Brilliant. Liar Liar. We were absolutely crying at like, the whole way through. That movie will always be hilarious. Oh, yeah. It's just classic after classic. Um, the Coral Pen. Just, I love that bit. <laughs> that I hold in my hand is blue. Um, it's fucking brilliant. It's like, oh, everyone's been really nice to me in this flat. Yeah, it's because you've got big jerks. Um, <laughs> I mean, your boobs are huge. Um, <laughs> I mean, I want to squeeze them. <laughs> Mommy. Um, the best bit, though, I thought was from the outtake. 
was when he goes, Mrs. Cole. And he has that massive piece of paper in his hand. He just like goes, and I start scraping it up. And he just goes, a goose. And throws it. <laughs> what are you doing, man? I'm kicking my own ass. But I literally, like, I don't want this to sound arrogant in any way but in Robin Williams and in Jim Carrey I see a lot of who I've always wanted to be like I see a lot of me in them um, I know what you mean they're like they're they're massive heroes of mine um, and it just the stuff that it's just like I love I would love to just be able to every day go on set and just you know be like this is something I've never love- actually seen the number 23 Oh, Jamie. It's a serious one, isn't it? Yeah, so the other half had never seen it. Um, and I was like, you'll, you'll, you'll love it. Trust me, it's really good. It's got four and a half out of five stars. It's, it's excellent. And she watched it, she's going, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And I got to say, she was like, this is the best film I've ever seen. <laughs> the best movies I've ever watched. It's really good. Like when, the, when the tw- all the twists happen and you're like, oh my God, it's fucking excellent. It's got a real comic book feel, feel to it as well when he's reading oh, okay. the story. Mm. I think I know nothing about it. I just know it's Jim Carrey and it's a serious film. That is all I know about it's it. It's one so. of first. It's brilliant. I'll, brilliant. Have, to brilliant. I'll have to check that out. It's on Amazon Prime. You have to pay $3.49 for it, but it's fantastic. Um, so we did that. Um, I've also rented One Hour Photo because I have yet to see that. So I'm going to watch that as well at some no, point. Robin Williams. Um, mm. So I'm really looking forward to it because I watched him again on Martha Stewart. When the show comes back and he just interrupts us straight away, it's like shouting in Spanish, <laughs> sort of slamming the beat down. <laughs> God, I love that man. He is so very, very missed. Um, so yeah, so then on the Sunday, so we did that all Saturday. Um, she did the most romantic thing for me as well. It was just lush. She put a, put a duvet out, put loads of cushions around it, covered it in rose petals, and hired like picnic and stuff. And it, it, it was just the best, the best weekend ever. And on the Sunday, we had to leave. So we went to Elan Valley. And Elan Valley is somewhere in mid-Wales. It's got like six dams or four <laughs> dams. There's loads of dams and like reservoirs. I'm not joking. Stunning. Like absolutely stunning. Um, I've changed my profile picture actually on Facebook to where I was at one of the dams. And it's just, it's one of the first places that Queen Elizabeth opened when she first became queen in yeah. 1952. Yeah. And it's just natural, scenic beauty all around. Like, it's like untouched. It's so beautiful. It's it beautiful. looked really nice on your profile photo. Stunning. Absolutely stunning. So that was lush. We went walking around those a few dams around there. Um, went for like walk on some trails, went past like a hydroelectric facility, that sort of thing. But it was like a, like, a proper windmilly thing. It's always lush. Proper like old school houses. Um, so that, then we went for some lunch in a place I can't pronounce. Um <laughs> B L U I T H Blueith Blueith Wells or something. Um, Sounds about right. About an hour away, so we went there for dinner, uh, for lunch even, and then we came back and we watched Twenty Four all night, and we watched that show on Netflix. Forgive the pronunciation. Well, forgive the wording. It's like the girl in the house oh. opposite the girl, the woman in the house opposite the girl in the window, like something like that. Yeah, I've, what a stupid name for a show. It's brilliant. <laughs> Is it good? It's brilliant. So I highly recommend it. It's really funny. Uh, it's re- it's a proper whodunit sort of thing. It's really, really good. Mm. And Kirsten Bell is fantastic, or Kristen Bell, or whatever you say. Kristen Bell, yeah. 
Kristen Bonner, she's brilliant. It's really good. Because the other half wants to put it on, and I was like, ah, oh, watch the first episode, see what it's like. And I was like, cool, put another one on. <laughs> I love it when that happens. It's like, you watch it. If you want to watch it, love, that's fine. She's, by the time it finishes, like, you better put that next episode on now. We mixed, we mixed it with 24, and we finished The Stranger. I finished The Stranger now as well. That's phenomenal. I found myself proper screaming at the TV. <laughs> Get him! Get the crap out of there! <laughs> I love shows that get you like that. They get you really invested. I haven't though. Get it on the list. Like seriously, okay. just trust me. It's brilliant. I'll add it to my Netflix queue. Close. I'll add it to my list. Good lad. Um, so that's all the weekend, and then today is her sister's husband's birthday. So happy birthday, Mark! Uh, we went, I went. I was re-entering all day. Then went went for dinner at the old barn in uh, down in Newport. Absolutely unreal food. I had ribs, wings, and chicken. Uh, Make the ribs were the, were the great, some of the greatest ribs I've ever eaten in my life. Unbelievably delicious. So that's a lush evening um, with the family-in-law. Um, so yeah, really, really enjoyed that. Um, and now here we are. Yeah. So it's been a pretty, pretty nuts week, to be quite honest. What a tale of two halves. What have you done, Jamie? Fuck all. What have you done, Tom? Everything. <laughs> it's literally been insane. Um, absolutely safe. we've had a week off interviewing as well so we're kind of missing yeah. that a little bit I am missing um, that I can't wait for next weekend <laughs> same also though I've purchased some books oh some more yeah so I can't remember where I got to when we were last talking but I I've, I Ooh. bought uh, Bill Cowart Bill Cowart's autobiography Heart and Steel he's a one of the greatest Pittsburgh Steelers coaches of all time I was going to say I have no idea who that person is but okay. yeah uh, Coach Cowart so I'm looking forward to reading that and of course, the big news this week was Big Ben Roethlisberger has officially announced his retirement from the NFL. I did see. Which has absolutely broken my little heart. Um, he's been my quarterback ever since I became a Steelers fan. So next season is going to be weird. <laughs> I can imagine too. Though. But then have you seen, so obviously the LA Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. I did see, I thought of you and I was like, he's going to be epic. And a couple of weird, not with the Bengals, I'm not, but with the Rams, I am. Um, I really hope the Bengals get trashed. I can't wait. Um, but it's in the Rams stadium. So it's the second year in a row. It's never happened in NFL history that a team has played their Super Bowl at their home stadium. And then last year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did it. And now this year, the LA Rams are doing it. So it's like, yeah. fucking hell. Yeah. Two years in a row. Um, so really looking forward to that. Uh, and of course, there's been that whole debacle of is Tom Brady retiring? I saw something about this. Like he said he's retiring and his dad went, no, yet, or something like that. So apparently he'd announced his retirement, like you said. And it was all over NFL, like journalists and news and news outlets were like, yeah, TB, TB12 that he calls himself. Stupid name. TB12. Um, my name and my favorite number. Fuck off. Because um, my birthday. Isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's announced his retirement in the NFL. So everyone's putting all his stories out. And then his dad came out and went, yeah, that's bullshit. And people were like, what? And then it's like that. The Buccaneers haven't said anything. Bruce Arians, the Buccaneers head coach, hasn't said anything. Tom Brady himself hasn't said anything. So where did the original on? report come from then? I don't know. It was leaked, apparently. How fucking weird. So no one knows what's going on. <laughs> you think he might want to say something? <laughs> I think he was going to retire, but he thought he was going to win the Super Bowl this year. And the Rams um, are to that. So now he's obviously thinking one more year. Maybe. Um, 
Haven't you won enough of them, Tom Brady? I know fuck all about NFL and know you've won enough. He's won more than every team in the NFL. That's ridiculous. What? He can only play next year if it is one team literally against Tom Brady. (laughs) He's the only man allowed on the field for that game. What I love is like Tom Brady will officially be named as the GOAT if he can take either the Dallas Cowboys or the New York Jets to the Super Bowl because they are shit. I love that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, man, it's been, uh, that's just the NFL talk at the moment. So weird that the Super Bowl is going to be here in two weeks' time and that's NFL done again. I'm like, it's just nuts. It goes by so quick. But for the first time ever, I kind of want to in slight interest in the Super Bowl for that damn halftime show. Oh. What a halftime show that is. It's about time, to be honest. Dre. Is it? Eminem, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar, and Mary J. Bilge. Mary J. Bilge. <laughs> Mary J. Blige. I know I'm stupid. I just like saying Bilge. It's funny. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> like the, I saw the announcement trailer for one, not an announcement trailer, the next ages ago, but like they did a little build up trailer last yeah. week, I think it was. And I was like, yeah, I want to watch this. This looks amazing. If you're going to be up at 2 3 a.m., mate. I know. I'll, I'll find them. Stream of it the following day. I'm not watching, oh, I'm the watching live. I'm not. I'm not I'm watching not a fucking Super Bowl. I am. It's going to be incredible. So I'm very, very much looking forward to that. Jamie, hello, sir. So now that we're all caught up, yes. Do you think maybe we should uh, we should try and stay cozy? Oh, I definitely think we should try and get cozy. Hey, Jamie. Do you like being cozy? I do. And do you like staying cozy? I like that even more. Then just head over to www.staycozyclothing.com Where you can find hoodies, tees, sweaters and much, much more. And just enter The Chronicles as one word at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And make sure you follow them on the Instagram at staycozyclothing to keep up to date with all the new designs. Remember guys, that's The Chronicles as one word at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And now back to this week's episode. So. Oh, is it that time of week? Jamie Westwood. <laughs> it's time for Callum's Trichens. Yeah, it is. Do you want to know something? Callum will be able to tell you in Callum's Trichens. It's cereal soup. Ooh. So. Callum has been very gracious this week. And he's brought about three treachings. So we better make sure that obviously the volume is on and we're ready to go. Yes. Jamie. Hello, sir. What is Callum treaching us this week? Pizza in zero gravity can have toppings and bottomings. Is it, is, that? is it weird I found the word bottomings funnier than the entire tree? Yeah, I thought you might have <laughs> yeah. done, But that's insane. Because, I mean, how are you going to get bottomings, though? Because it, it's just going to float, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so is it just going to be overallings? Maybe. It's just going to be absolutely everywhere. <laughs> Dear NASA, please film one of your astronauts trying to eat pizza. We need to know how this shit works. <laughs> Love, <What>? Jamie. <laughs> Bottomings. 
What do you want your pizza? I'll have tuna, anchovies, sweet corn on top, and then I'll have pepperoni, <laughs> sausage, and cheese on bottom. <laughs> well, that's a beautiful. That's a, that's a lovely pizza. That is. They'd have Which to basically just is. turn it into a calzone just to keep the toppings inside. So, yeah, but like the, bottom ends, the bottom ends would be on top, wouldn't they? That's true. And you're going to have stuffed crust because if you turn it around, it's still stuffed crust. <laughs> it still looks like a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to look up astronaut pizza now. I'm is that Domino's? <laughs> you deliver? To space, that is. <laughs> Lovely. Two days, I'll see you then. I'm on the international space. It better still fucking be warm. Mate, my McDonald's gets here in seven minutes. It's not fucking warm when it No, no, tell me about it. We had we made a complaint. It was that Did cold. You? Yeah, we didn't get nothing back from it, bastards. Because I got me in the half my McDonald's last night, and I forgot that I had five pound credit on from absolutely ages ago when a KFC Winner. never arrived. Winner. When I was in Cheltenham, when it said it had been delivered, I was like, no, it hasn't. I hate it when people do, when their companies do that. Oh, it's been delivered. Oh, has it? Well, why is it not my hand then? Why is it not your face? <laughs> why am I still hungry? Yeah. Where are you? <laughs> Where are you? But Jamie. Hello. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, what else <laughs> is Callum treating us this week? Nobody values breathing until they have a blocked nose. <laughs> oh. Oh my god, I relate to this one so hard right now. I hate, I hate when you try to blow it out as well. And it just goes like you just can't get it out of your nose. It's like you suctions. Talk, <laughs> yeah, you're trying to breathe it. You can feel it's blocked. It's like, uh, uh, uh. I'm like that right now. You probably heard me sniffling during this. I've been trying not to. But, but do you ever like oh. pierce a hole slightly in the blockage? So it's like <laughs> <laughs> slightly deflate. <laughs> but obviously, people that know me, I cycle to and from work. I was cycling home early uphill. Normally, it's not a problem for me. By the time I got to it, I was exhausted because I couldn't fucking breathe. I was just like <gasps> sucking in air. Oh, COVID. yeah. I've, no, it's not COVID. I did a test yesterday. Nice. If it got me again already, I'd be not pleased. Yeah, I think you get immunity for like 90 days or something, don't you? Something stupid like that, I don't know. I started coughing slightly earlier. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> the other day, I had a headache and I was like, oh, not again. <laughs> It's crazy, man. It's so crazy. But like, I've just learned to live with it now. It's like, yeah, cool. Yeah, pretty much. It really is what it is. It is what it is. Just quickly, going back to the Super Bowl talk earlier. The Super Bowl next year mm. is the night before I leave for New York. Ooh. Oh, delicious. Absolutely delicious, Jamie. But does that mean you can't stay up? Um, I'll be up. <laughs> the half was like, are you going to sleep? He's like, yeah, on the plane. You think I'm going to mess the Super Bowl? Are you nuts? Tom, it's our first romantic holiday together. Isn't this beautiful? <laughs> it's like an eight-hour flight. Dude, our hotel's in Times Square. Nice. Um, do you know the HBO Studios, where last week's night is filmed, is round the corner? Nice. My safe say I'm a little bit excited. Should I know. This... Yes, back to, back to Callum. Sorry, Cal. I'm so sorry. You do such wonderful things for us and wonderful treatures, and here I'm blabbing on about New York City. You can't help but have a tangent and a humble brag. We do, well, you know, I'm so <laughs> just, What can I say? You know what I mean? What, what can I really say, Jamie? Can I say anything else? Can I say it, though? But can I say it? No, but you probably will. No. Anyway, anyway. Jamie. Hello. And finally, what else is Callum treating us this week? 
If dirty talking turns you on, does that mean your genitals are voice activated? Yes. Best treach ever. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. That has just won the award for me. You reckon dirty top of your head. That's why you have morning wood. So every time you wake up, it's just like, chop, chop, full day ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's just something with orange juice, like beach towel around its cock. I don't know why that's on the neck of it. <laughs> so much to do today, so much to do. Oh, that is the most inconvenient thing about being a man, I swear to God. What's that, wake up in morning wood? Yeah, do you have a roll on it? Fucking hurts. Well, no, because I go, my ex probably better not do that. <laughs> Intentionally. Better not squash it. You can tell what I did this morning when I woke up. Yeah, anyway. I, I feel like you're trying to make sure you see if you could like, levitate on it and then like, spin yourself around. <laughs> love, love, I'm Superman. Make yourself like a helicopter propeller. Just... <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, obviously when you're a kid, you helicopter penis, don't you? <laughs> so I reckon that when you're erect, you obviously like levitate, like put yourself on it, so it's like the only point touching the floor, then spin yourself around. I feel like it's the greatest acrobat skill that has never been done. I reckon someone could do it, surely. Someone, or someone's tried. No, no one could do it because they fucking just crush your dick. Oh, you? it'd be so painful. But yes, Callum, I reckon Jennifer's <laughs> are voice activated. Definitely. I completely agree with that, Treach. That is incredible. Possibly the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely wonderful. Just, yeah, it's like, should we have some? It's like the Wilston Radio. Do you want some? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a meerkat, isn't it? Like, it's like... Any vagina around? Any I was going to say, vagina, vagina, hello, vagina. <laughs> Where's the wife? Where's the other half gone? Where's the wife? That's like, so that's why right, at night, that's why we're asleep. But at night, it's like, hey, hey, <laughs> don't turn around. <laughs> hey, and we're there, stop poking me. Why do you want to sleep? <laughs> oh, I see. Dave, stand down. So, I'm sorry. So, stand down, stand down, stand down. Hey, you've got Sorry, Barry. I don't fucking know. I don't call my penis anything apart from dick or cock. Who calls we the D-train, Barry? The, the journal. The D-train. Or the board, Barry's a D-train. Mr. Boopsy. <laughs> oh. I do love making you laugh. Oh, Callum, God, another exquisite edition of Callum Street Chings. Beautiful. That, that I am repeating to anyone and everyone. That is my new favourite thing ever. <laughs> but I know it's a, it's a treat, so you can't take it as your own. I oh, know. I will give full credit where it is given. Jamie. Hello, sir. Time to follow. Oh. It's time for Tom's journal. Oh, open it for me. And welcome to another edition of Tom's journal. For you, Jamie, anything. Beautiful. Welcome to another edition of Tom's Journal. Jamie. Hello, There's sir. absolutely no Tom's editions. Tom's editions? Tom's <laughs> entries. So, it's all the picture round. Starting with another Lord of the Rings piss take. This is what we love. Yeah! Gandalf. What's up, Frodo? Frodo. You know, not much. Just chilling in the Shire my entire life. Like every Hobbit ever. Except for my uncle when you made him on that ridiculous quest. <laughs> 
Gandalf. Cool, cool, cool. No worries. Frodo. Gandalf. Frodo. Gandalf. So, are you into jewelry and walking a lot, or? Into <laughs> <laughs> jewelry and walking a lot. <laughs> oh, this is phenomenal. I'm not going to lie to you, Jamie, right? One of my favourite parts about writing urban fantasy is determining how and where the fantasy meshes in with reality. Like, I'm not saying Freddie Mercury was a siren, but have you ever heard anyone not sing along to Bohemian Rhapsody? I rest my case. That's a fucking good it point. It's a six-minute song with incomprehensible lyrics that seem to have something to do with murder and demons, with five sections that are completely different stylistically, but no chorus. It was number one in the UK singles charts twice, 15 years apart, and is by many measures one of the most popular or the most popular single of all time. Yeah, there's magic involved. Yeah, there's got to be. You know, I've never clicked onto the pack. There's no chorus in that song. No, right. That's absolutely right. Mental, isn't it? Yeah, Freddie was a wizard. Do you think so? Freddie must have been a wizard. He changed the landscape of so much. Absolutely. Wizard. <laughs> I'm now convinced he's a wizard. Gandalf got to him too. Yeah. <laughs> so there's going to be a lot of controversy with this, but I think this is fucking hilarious. Okay. Scottish. So, okay. <laughs> but if you've got any problems, just at me. You know where I am. You know how to find me. England was perfectly happy to be isolated from 27 other countries, but it's fucking terrified to be free of Scotland. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I'll break it. Yeah, we don't fucking like these people. But Scotland? No, 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 no. No, we don't want to lose them. We don't want to lose them. I wonder why. I mean, I it's, what it is, England. Can you tell us why? I mean, it's hard to argue against this. <laughs> what can I say? We've all seen Braveheart. We know what happened. Oh, that film made me so angry and upset. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's like, what do you mean you want to get rid of us all? I just, we are, you know, I, I rest my cake. Well, we'll, 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 we'll do, Jamie, right? The Six Nations start on Saturday. We'll let that, we'll let that speak for itself, all right? That's what they should do. They should decide through sporting events. Let's let's not have a vote. Just decide through sporting events. Oh, the football made me, like, I, I just don't have to watch football anymore. Oh, really? Like, West Brom played Millwall at Millwall on Saturday and West Brom lost 2-0 to Millwall so the West Brom fans started fighting with their fans and ripping all their chairs out and throwing it at the players on the pitch why? you're like 30, 40 year old men what are you doing with this? it's fucking pathetic Jesus grow Christ up a little bit? I know it's this is what I mean I'm like brilliant like yeah that's just, that's a great idea dickheads spend all that money to go all down there and it's just start trashing the fucking place makes sense absolute dicks I heard anyway. as well that Cardiff City fans like destroyed all the toilets in Ashton Gate of Bristol City like a couple of weekends ago as well. Why? Exactly. What it, is how is that going to change the result of the game? Neanderthal mentality is what it is. Absolutely. Fucking idiots. Anyway, good luck on Saturday, mate. Scotland versus England in at Merrifield, quarter to five. Can't fucking wait. <laughs> Amy. Hello. Don't you feel this is true? Let's get back to the journal. Don't you yes. feel this is true, right? Adult friendships require appointments now. Oh, yeah. Are you free March 15th at 3pm? What days work for you? 
so painfully true like me claire and griffin have been trying to arrange a meetup for so long as i can't work it oh yeah i've gone working that day oh yeah i've got something else planned this day yeah i've got i think we're just giving up on the idea now Crazy, isn't it? <laughs> hopefully we'll randomly bump into each other in the street one day <laughs> that'll do nicely that'd be amazing yeah. <laughs> this made me fucking raw the best part about humans jamie is they'll lick each other's assholes but requested you fork if it falls on the floor Yeah, <laughs> it's not wrong. <laughs> so oh, that's so good. Oh, I love it. I, I suppose it's because it. you know whose arsehole it is, but you don't know what, what's been on that floor. This is very true. This is very, very true. Um, did you hear about this news story as well? A girl named Ikea had to change her name to stop being picked on at school. Someone then put... Stop being picked up at school. It's such a shit name. <laughs> That's just clever as hell. I like that. Oh, so what funny. the fuck names their child Ikea? Well, yeah, there is that. It's just... Yeah, like, it's getting beyond stupid now. Just... Why do people hate their children? I think it's the society, the way things are going now. Like, you've got kids that are called like, Apple and North... Yeah. Northwest. That is just... It's it's Elon Musk's one that had always got me. If you're asking for your child to be, to be fucking bullied, that's what you're asking for. Spot oh, was yeah, Elon, Elon Musk. Musk is it's like an equation or something. Aon X1 or something. Dude, Jason Lee, the actor. Nope. He did My Name is Earl. Oh, yeah. His son... Or was it, yeah, his son's name is Pilot Inspector. Why? I haven't... What? Oh, Pilot Inspector Lee. Yeah. I don't, okay. I don't get it. Back to the journal. Anyway, yeah. Um, Lots of tangents. Netflix is really concerned about some of its users. Someone genuinely has watched Lord of the Rings trilogy 300 times in 2018, according to Netflix. Aragon, my friend, you bow to no one. How? Why would you want to watch that movie three hundred? Those movies three hundred times. I'm wondering how long that would take, because them films aren't fucking short. That's yeah, like nine hours, is it? Nine ten hours? It's gotta be, yeah. Jesus. The editions. <laughs> They're like four hours. Yeah, oh, it's mental. Absolutely mental. That's nuts. So, have you heard about Beauty and the Beast? Um, what about it? The other half will love this one. Beast. You must live with me in this castle for the rest of your days. Me. But the food is free? Beast. Yes, but. And I don't have to pay any rent? I think you're missing the point of, <laughs> and there's a library? <laughs> Fuck up, Rumi. To be fair, yeah, I, that scene, he's like, you must live in this, this castle. And then ne- next thing you know, he's like, but you can go wherever you want. All this stuff's free. It's like, it's not really a punishment, is it? Oh no, I can have whatever I want to eat and I can read everything. Oh. <laughs> I suppose like her dad, his, her dad was in the prison. That's a punishment. Her, she can have a whole fucking root wing of the castle. Like, what? <laughs> it's not really a punishment, Beast. Maybe it's was, maybe it was hoping that Bell would sort his bell out. <laughs> uh, 
She could find it under all the fur. That was absolutely terrible. I'm so sorry. I'll never, I'll never make a joke ever again in my life. Um, Until this one. <laughs> and finally, a conversation between some dementors. I hate this job. I know. <laughs> it's soul destroying. Hey! <laughs> As Cabanta. Cabanta. <laughs> That's golden. <sighs> that is golden. I like that. that. That was another edition of Tom's Journal. Oh, that was good. That Thank was you, good. Thank I enjoyed you so that. Much. I'm really pleased to hear it. But um, our friends at Audio Drama Feed want to say something. Hey there. I'm Frank Guglielmelli, and I'm the narrator for the Audio Drama Feed. Featuring such audio dramas as Bounty Hunters, Marty and Mars, Val Toby, and so much more. You can find all of these wonderful programs on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or you can go to our website at www.audiodramafeed.com. We are thrilled to be affiliated with the Chronicles of Podcast with Tom and Jamie. Thank you, Frank. Thank you so very, very much. Val Toby season two is currently in the works as we speak. Uh, I believe Marty and Mars or Bounty Hunter season two is also about to be completed. So go check them out wherever you get your audio dramas slash podcasts from. Be Spotify, Google, Apple, etc., etc., or go to www.audiodramafeed.com. And no, people, you didn't hear that wrong. It is just no longer Syscast. They are now audio drama feed. Rebranding. So, the piece is here. Oh, where is it? The piece is ready. Oh. The piece is primed. Welcome oh. to the Chronicles of Doug Williams. Yeah. Doug is a British wrestler and has been around on the circuit, on the scene for many, many a year. Starting over here in Britain, heading over to Japan. He's been in TNA, in Ring of Honor, in Progress, and currently in NWA, reforming the British Invasion with his tag team partner, Magnus slash Nick Aldis. Just incredible. We wanted to talk to a wrestler on this show for quite some time, and boy, did we land a doozy for our first one. Yeah, it was quite exciting. When I saw that he'd emailed, I was like, oh my ass, this is going to be unbelievable. The man that won the Progress Atlas Championship and took on Trent Seven, another one of my big heroes, at Hello Wembley for Progress, and his if he lost, would have to retire. And Jamie was there. I was, and it was awesome. And it was a great match. It was a great match. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, Doug, this was one hell of an interview. He was just the loveliest guy. We had a lot of laughs. Um, I in, inadvertently uh, threatened, not threatened, yeah, threatened him at the beginning. He pretty much threatened him at the beginning, to be yeah, fair. And I, I was just messing around and joking. And I was like, you know, it was funny at the time. Um, but... <laughs> I'm looking forward to come seeing him in in Pontyclean in, in May. I'm very very much looking forward to that. Um, I thought it was pronounced Pontyclun, but no, I'm an idiot. It's Pontyclean uh, well, because go. I don't know Welsh towns very well. Um, no one does. No, exactly. <laughs> Apart from Clandard, no, which is definitely that, and not uh, Luluandu. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. 
Uh, but yes, uh, we had sat down with Doug and chatted all about his career, his life story, where and why he wanted to be a wrestler, how he got to the places he got to, and how he also, I feel, paved the way again for British wrestling because obviously he's also one of the originals. Um, I love though that you called uh, all some of the big names you fought. Yeah, he'd been around a lot longer. <laughs> I knew what I meant, but obviously it didn't come across how I meant it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That was so funny. Um, this is a hell of an interview, guys. Like, it's a great interview. We were very, very proud of this one. I was a big fan of Doug when he turned up in TNA. So I was so happy to get to talk to him because, like I said, we're British. So people that, you know, fly the flag all across the world in a sport that we absolutely love, naturally we're going to gravitate to those sort of people. So, you know, Absolutely incredible. This is awesome. I really enjoyed this. Absolutely. Doug, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down and chat to us. We are very excited for people to hear this. Jamie! Yes, sir. Any final words? Just thank you very much, Doug. Absolutely appreciate the hell you taking out of time to sit and chat with us. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, interviewing this week, he is a British wrestler from TNA, Ring of Honor, Progress, NWA, plus many, many more. He is the British ambassador. It's Doug Williams. How are you doing, sir? You okay? Very good. Thank you very much. Yourself? Wonderful. Oh, Doug, absolutely wonderful. This is uh, an absolute pleasure, sir. So thank you. Thank you so much for doing this for us. We do appreciate it. That's right. Means the world. Really does. I suppose it's one of those things where you hear it, you go, yeah, I guess I'll give him a chance. Why not? Fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) Are you you both wrestling fans, are you? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, for uh... years. Like 90s, early 90s. Uh, Okay, you're the... you're the attitude era generation, aren't you? We're the the Ogs. We're the OGs. (laughs) That's what we are. (laughs) I think I remember starting watching it around WrestleMania 7, 8, something like that. Oh, wow. You're earlier than that, mate. You're younger. Yeah. Um, yeah, As weird as it sounds, I don't remember a time in my life I wasn't watching it. I've I've been watching it since I was that young. But there we go. Wow. And then you kind of drift in and out, don't you, over the course of your life. It's funny. Yeah. Strange. Yeah, because you're like, who the fuck's that? What's that going? What's going on over here? Who is that? Especially at the minute, there's that many bloody promotions now. You just you can't keep up with so oh, many no, it's shows. It's insane, isn't it? It's insane. I just try and what I try and do is watch matches I'm interested in watching. You know, like oh, that sounds interesting. So I'll just catch that part of the program. You know, if I can. Yeah, I, I, I find myself now reading the results and I'm like, oh, that's only good. I'll give that one. Yeah, that yeah, out. exactly. You can't. You know, that's all you do with your day. You spend with your week, <laughs> wouldn't it? Watching wrestling, otherwise, driving to mm-hmm. You wouldn't go to work, you wouldn't eat, you wouldn't do anything, you wouldn't sleep. <laughs> Just absolutely nuts. Um, but yeah, so anyway, what happens is yeah. uh, Jamie does a nice little beautiful little intro to, you know, bring you to a false sense of security. And then we absolutely bombard the living shit out of you with questions, Doug, all right? Okay, sounds good to me. I'll, um, I'll either ignore them or, or, or give you That's a full answer. Absolutely fine. Is that just before we do start? Is there anything that you literally can't talk about or don't want to talk about at all? No, I don't think so. Not think no? so. Okay. No, I mean, uh, I'm not what? looking to build my career at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, you're not? Oh, okay. My apologies. 
He's on, you know what I mean. I'm on yeah, the way. Yeah. I'm going to burn as many bridges as I can on the way. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Chateau for another amazing guest. It's no secret that me and Tom have been wrestling fans since we were young, and today we welcome our first wrestler into the Chateau. Today's guest has wrestled all over the globe, in Germany, America, Japan, and many, many more, winning championships all over the globe. But most importantly, this man is the ambassador of British wrestling. Today, we bring you the Chronicles of Doug Williams. An absolute pleasure. Well, I'm glad to be here. It's a pleasure. Yeah. For me too. <laughs> Lovely. Well, that's right. Yeah. If it was anything else, Doug, shit would have gone down. All right. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. I'd say not, nothing at all would have happened at all, Mr. Doug. So I didn't... <laughs> it's easy to say that when you're on the other side of the screen, isn't it? Yes, it's very <laughs> yeah. true. This is very, very true. Um, but let's get to the hard hitting shit first. How okay. was obviously how was the pandemic season for you? Because obviously everything stopped. Hmm. So what did you, did, you, did you like decide to do something night and teach yourself anything new, like learn a new skill or did you find something No, else? I mean, it was, it was, pre- I mean, you know, if I'm going to be brutally honest with you, uh, it was, it was pretty bad for me. I, I went from, even though I had, you know, and we'll probably cover this at a later point, but even though I had retired in 2018, yeah. I was still involved in wrestling to some degree, seminars, working backstage at shows. So I was still doing little bits of traveling, you know, um, obviously I still went to the gym, worked out, kept in shape. Um, and, you know, and, and almost in an instant, um, all that was taken away from me. And I was at home 24-7. Um, and uh, any motivation I had to, to kind of keep myself in shape, keep, you know, keep my, myself, uh, uh, well, f- physically and mentally fit kind of went out the window. So uh, I spent lots of days just lying on the couch watching TV and trying to get through the day, days the best you can. Um so it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't the greatest time for me, unfortunately. But, you know, I pulled through it now and, and things are much, much better, obviously. But uh, I think, you know, um, when, you, when, you, when you look at it, I think the, 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 mental, the mental health costs of, of the pandemic at the end of the day is going to be far, far worse than, oh, yeah. than yeah. you know, any, any physical side of it that, that was caused by the, by the virus directly. You know? um, and so I, I came through it. Um, I'm in a better place now than I was during the, the very high of it, which was probably the November lockdown of 2020. Um, but I know a lot of people that haven't haven't fully recovered from a you know from a mental point of view, from a um, you know just just uh, they've lost their whole livelihoods, they've lost family and friends through it, and and they're still struggling. It's, it's been it's been brutal. So you know, as bad as it was for me, I can still say I was one of the lucky ones. I think. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I'm sorry that you obviously went through your struggles and whatnot. That's uh, it's weird because obviously in the summer everyone was like, "Oh, this will be fine," you know, blah blah blah, because it's mm. lovely outside. People go out and do whatever they want uh, yeah. it, within reason, obviously. But then when that November one hit, when that winter one hit, I think mm. that hit a little bit harder. And I don't think anyone really realised we were a bit like, "Oh, okay, well, we can't really do anything." Obviously, a lot of people have lost loved ones and friends and stuff, but it's mm. just been it's been horrific, absolutely yeah. horrific. Yeah. So, but I'm glad that you're okay, obviously, and come through the other rest of the side and everything's starting to open a bit more now. We're starting to do this, that, and the other. So, yeah, and you know, I don't want to start your podcast on a downer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the one positive I come out of it was that I had, you know, I made the decision that, you know, I'm, I, uh, I, I, you've got, you've got to enjoy the, do the things you want to do when you, when you can. So that was a decision. Ultimately, that gave me my decision to come back into wrestling 
and just continue for as long as I can whilst I enjoy doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, the primary reasons why I retired were like my, my injuries and spending more time with the family. Um, you know, I, I managed to, the, the injuries have passed. I'd had surgery and, and they were fine. So, that, you know, that, that, that kind of inspired me to come back really. It was just a pandemic. And the realisation that you shouldn't cut short things in life that you really enjoy doing at the end of the day. And what can help other people as well and, you know, <clears throat> other young wrestlers and, and help their careers and, and so be it. Fair play. Yeah. There's a bit of positivity there. Start yeah, with. I love it. Start <laughs> <laughs> you got to bring them down. you got to take now, them yeah. down to bring them back up. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> but take us take us all the way back, sir, when you young Master Williams, you could say. What was the plan for your career growing up? Was it always sports or was it just something that just sort of happened? No, to be honest with you, I mean, I kind of follow my dad into construction management. My dad was a, you know, he worked for a, um, a, a, a construction company um, as, a, as, a, as a plant buyer, which is a person that per, purchases, you know, big, heavy pieces of equipment for construction yeah. industry and I kind of you know I, I I followed that kind of route into into getting into that so I mean that's what I'm qualified to do and that's what my first job was just to be um you know going to construction and, and, and work uh on the commercial side really so I was a quantity surveyor um commercial oh, wow. manager that sort of thing um I was already I was okay at sports I was good at athletics Generally terrible at team sports, but individual pursuits were decent. Uh, I started doing judo when I was 11. Um, so, and I was pretty good at judo. Um, so I just kind of carried that on. But um, I think, you know, the, the, the motivation for getting into wrestling was obviously my fandom of it then. And, and, and that inspired me to try and up the ratio of... Oh, Increase the amount of judo I was doing and get to a certain level that I could become a wrestler. Um, and like I say, I, I wasn't particularly athletically gifted, but I seemed to be good at kind of individual sports, especially combat sports, really. Don't know what it says about me. <laughs> <laughs> Just love kicking ass for a living. That's what yeah, I mean. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I want to beat the living shit out of someone. I get paid for it, all right? <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or pretend to at least, you know. But where did that love of wrestling come from then that made you want to like lace up the boots, as they say? Was it like parents, friends, siblings? Everyone seems to have that sort of gateway when it comes to wrestling. Yeah, well, I watched it. I used to go to the live shows with my dad when I was very, very young. Um, and, you know, obviously I enjoyed them as a kid, but I don't think that's what inspired my fandom. Uh, what, what it was is um, my family, um, my parents split up when I was young and my mum remarried a guy who was an electronics engineer. Um, and he, he worked for a German company. So we moved to Germany when I was 13. Um, and then a couple of years into, into living in Germany, we got a Sky, a Sky satellite so that we could watch English programming um, whilst we were living there. And uh, obviously then I saw the very first early WWE, sort mm. of WrestleMania 3, 1987 we're talking. So I was like 15 years old. And um, that's, what, that's where I really became a fan of wrestling. From watching that, I thought it was fantastic, you know just the, the over-the-top characters and, and the physicality of it. And I, having done judo for so long at that point, well, three, four, four or five years of judo at that point, I appreciated what the guys did, what they went through, you know, from a physical point of view. Yeah. A lot of other people kind of dismiss because they just think it's whatever, fake or whatever. But I understood and I could appreciate what they did from an athletic point of view as well. Um, and while I, at that age, you have no, you know, 
notion of thinking, oh yes, I can do what they're doing at that level. You at least think, well, maybe I can, I can, I can give it a go. Uh, you know, maybe at a more grassroots level. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where my family came from, and I was absolutely obsessed. And I went, I came back to England when I was sixteen to do my GCSEs and live with my grandparents. And there was this small independent news agents near my the college I went to, and they sold all the wrestling magazines you could possibly think of from America. So I was buying like 10, 15 magazines a month, like stacked high in my bedroom, all these wrestling magazines. So I knew all about it. I knew all about everything, NWA, World Class, all these other American promotions. I'd never seen any of them. I'd only ever seen WWF. But it was like opened up a whole new world for me. And of course, obviously, I started watching more British wrestling then as well and really getting into a lot of those guys as well. And because of British wrestling... You know, there goes those guys are much more well, more of my size. Um, you know, a lot more real in terms of being people. That was more of a goal that I kind of aspired to. It's like if I can get on the British wrestling circuit, at least I'll fulfil that desire to be a wrestler to some degree. Um, so you know, I had kind of realistic expectations when I was 17, 18. <laughs> I think everyone says that you have those dreams that you want to do something. If you do something hard and work at it hard enough, obviously you're yeah. a prime example. You, you'll get there. Mm. Um, I think this day and age, it's probably not easy necessarily, but there's more avenues to get into mm. it, whether it be through for Britain, for America, for Japan, or et cetera, Mexico, yeah. whatever. Whereas I think back then, back in like the you know the late eighties, the early nineties and stuff, there wasn't much around. I mean, obviously the internet didn't exist, so right. nobody could go and like, oh, I can just go down here to this. There's a sport, there's a wrestling school down here, or there's a wrestling school yeah. down there. So yeah. you know. It's interesting as well because we effectively we were cut off from the world as well because when all the old promoters sharp shop, all those connections they had with Canada, America and Japan, they all died with them as well. So that old thing you had of foreign wrestlers coming here and working on the, on the, on the, on the British team kind of died away. Mm. So in the early 90s when I started, it was very, very isolationist. No one knew about British wrestling outside of the country, you know? Everybody mm. was still... So the thought or even the chance to get out and go abroad was, was just not even on your, on your mind there. Mm. I mean, you know, it helps that within this country, there's a lot to do. There's a lot of shows anyway. So you're always very busy, but having that aspiration to go elsewhere, that, that was a very tricky thing to try and work out. How am I going to do that? Because by that time, when I start, just started resting, I was 21, 22. Uh, my main goals were go to Germany and get to Japan because I thought they were more of the styles that I would be, you know, suited for, but just trying to work out how to do that was, mm. was well, you know, tricky to say the least. Yeah. You know, back then. <laughs> Nowadays, you know, there's there's d- definitive routes you can take, definitive ways you can get to various places, and providing you've got the talent and you're athletic enough and the skills, the chances are you're going to make it to those places. But when I didn't matter back when I, how good you were back when I started, it's just you know trying to find those connections and trying to break out. Like, like we're just saying then you know the, i don't yeah. think people some people realize the british wrestling scene how it is now mm. compared to how it was then couldn't be any polar opposite if it tried yeah no, <laughs> you know, no, no, no. every other city or town has a promotion nowadays mm. but how did you go about finding a school to train though was it in this stack of magazines you were buying well i've been since i was like well, since I've been at school, like 17, 18, and done my A-levels, I've been trying to find, like, a gym or somewhere to go to, 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 to you know, to, to learn wrestling. And obviously, in London, the main promotion was Dale Martin's, of the old joint promotions regime. 
they used to have a gym in Brixton. But obviously, they when Dale Martin's shut up shop, they shut that gym. So oh, it's like, where, where do we go? And it so happened that I was reading, uh, there was a magazine in England called Superstars of Wrestling, an English magazine. Um, and they had an article about a gym that just opened in, in Kent, um, which was Hammerlock. Um, so uh, I saw, obviously saw the article and I, I made the phone call to Andre, who was uh, the, rena, um, the owner of that gym, and I took it from there. Say you that was in Kent. Where were you living at the time? Was it Manchester? Uh, no, I lived in Camden. Sorry, You're in Camden, my hometown. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's like a two-hour, two and a half-hour drive there. But they they run sat, a Friday night, a whole day Saturday and Sunday. So I drive down after work on a Friday night, and then I just stay the whole weekend and go home on Sunday. So I was doing wow. uh, what? So you do eight, sixteen. 20 hours of training every weekend. <laughs> and then working full-time Monday to Friday. Yeah. Yeah, oh. I go to the gym. Yeah. That's Fair mental. Play. But I mean, if you do it, if you love it, then you do it, won't you? You'll put the hours in them, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fair. So how is it you managed to get your way out there? Because obviously in 2002, you went to wrestle for Ring of Honor. How, how is it you got your name out there in order to get those opportunities? Well, I mean, there's a couple of, couple of ways, but I mean... Or a couple of reasons why it happened. But the main thing, I think, was just, it was networking. At that time, Americans just started coming, you know, independent wrestlers from America were just starting to come over here because they understood, a few of them, a few of the clever ones, and uh, clever ones kind of understood that this country had so much wrestling, you could do five, six, seven shows a week, you know, mm. and, really, and really learn your craft. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I became friends with a couple of the guys that came over from America. Um, and then they went back and they told their, you know, their, their home promotions about this English guy who was pretty good and, 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 and they should book him. Um, and uh, one of those was uh, out in California, um, came friends with a couple of guys, Chris Daniels and Mike Modest, and they worked for a, a California promotion called All Pro Wrestling. Um, and then they run this tournament, King of the Indies tournament in 2001, um, and they put me forward for that. So it's kind of networking, really, a bit of luck, um, and someone seeing my talent and, and recognising it and, and taking it abroad and, and, and um, you know, spreading the word, so to speak. And the same thing happened in Germany as well, because I was wrestling, Tony Sinclair was, was the main promoter in Germany at that point. He came over to England to do a few shows um, in the UK, and he saw me wrestling as well. So he went back and decided to put me in Germany. So it's very much a case of word of mouth, networking, and, and, and just, you know, building up relationships with people. Um, which is kind of different to how it's done nowadays, but it, you know, I just got lucky in that respect, I guess. But what's the expression? It's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, they, they, you know, <laughs> but obviously there's still like 100, 150 wrestlers in the country at the time. So obviously I put the work in. Mm. I studied what, you know, I studied the, the business and, and the, um, the art of wrestling to that point so obviously they saw something in me that they didn't see in other people so I like to think it was just my hard work as well that, that, that helped absolutely. in that absolutely yeah. so when you're training and whatnot and you're in the gym and everything else because obviously everyone's got like a move set how do you mm. decide what you want to put in that how do you go ah oh, this would be a good finishing move actually I think I'm going to use this you whittle it down to what you're good at because not everybody can do everything can they no. And you have to pick and choose the things that you know you can do well 
and use them and base your your whole moveset, as you say, your whole your you know your 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 you pick out the strongest things you can do and build up your moveset from that. Um, you know, just from my rest uh, from my judo background, I knew that I could throw people, so I was good at doing suplexes and those sort of moves. Um, and I yeah, you know, and knee and and like I built my whole kind of moveset around using knees, so knee drops, knee strikes in the corner, and that sort of thing as well. Yeah. Um, and I just, just went from there, really. And it, uh, it has evolved over time. Like, stuff I did at the very start is not anything like I do now. And some of that is just through choice, and some of that is because of injuries and the necessity mm. to change things up, because I can't do what I used to be able to do. But, yeah, I'd say get in the gym, practice, what, practice everything, find out what you're good at, and stick to doing that. Ultimately, so there's no shooting star presses or anything like that, you know. Didn't no, no. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to do like an acai moonsault, but I don't know why I stopped doing that. But I used to do that every, every so often. Yeah, I remember when Tom was re- did wrestling training for a little while. I remember. I remember you messaging me saying you did a suicide dive or something. You're just like, yeah, that didn't end well. That was not a good. It was like a. It was more like a because I I did it for like a month, but then work commitments I couldn't carry on. This is back in 2016, Um, and it was all very mishmash. So it's just like (laughs) you're going to take a clothesline. Now I just jump over over the ropes. Now I just jump off the ropes. You're like, what's going on? Like I've I've only been here a week. Like, can we just like calm down a little bit, please? (laughs) So yeah, that was. uh, it was good fun, though. I wish I could have committed to it, but, you know, don't have your dedication, Doug, you see. That's it, you know? Not as, you know... I was like, hours a week, every week, for six months. Oh, that's nuts, but fair play to you, sir. Fair play to you. I, you know, I bow. I bow. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, I said then, 2002, you went to wrestle for Ring of Honor. And mm-hmm. the factoid I found out saying that you wrestled Brian Danielson in your first match for Ring of Honor. And... Second match, but yeah, second match. Damn, <laughs> damn you, Wikipedia! <laughs> but obviously, you wrestled so many huge names in Ring of Honor. But mm. Ring of Honor's gone on hiatus at the minute. That's just happened. But is there any particular like standout moments or matches you had in your time in Ring of Honor? Because yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, you said they're big names, but they weren't big names when I wrestled them. We were all kind of the same level back then, weren't we? <laughs> Oh, Jay. Follow that. You know. <laughs> no, no. I was going to say though, that you know you wrestled these people when they're at the start of their careers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and a lot of people forget that I was actually almost ten years in at that point as well. Mm. You know, so I was like ten years older than a lot of these guys, which is you know everyone says, well, you know, which I find quite strange looking back on it. But um, I mean, yeah, obviously, uh, the standout moments for me were you know in, in that first year we we did the sixty minute four way championship match which was me Chris Daniels Loki and Spanky or Brian Hendrick um, which was which was kind of a standout moment I I wrestled Chris Daniels for the FWA title um, in March 2003 as well that's that's a good match that's a standout moment for me um, and then you know a little bit later or, or the following year we they obviously brought the pure title in and I, mm. I held that for a period of time um, and you know it, the unfortunate, it's not unfortunate, unfortunate for them, maybe not for me so much, is because I got into Japan in 2003 as well. Um, and obviously I was booked over there a lot. Ring of Honor weren't able to use me as much as they could. So obviously I had a very short run with them and it kind of dripped, dropped away. But that's that's just as a result of being going somewhere, you know, 
hate to say more important, but somewhere where I was earning more money and getting yeah. bigger exposure than I was with them at that time. Um, so, you know, that was a real shame, but um, I enjoyed the time I had to spend with them, you know, definitely. And, and you know, the, 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 the exposure that Ring of Honor gave me is unparalleled. You wouldn't have got that. I wouldn't have got that anywhere else, for sure. For sure. That's the thing you hear a lot about Ring of Honor is it's it's like the best gateway promotion where you can learn your craft and get eyes on you. Mm. And it seems to be the case with, like I said, just listing some of those people that you wrestled back then in the start of their career and where they are yeah. today. But oh, Absolutely. It's, it was a stepping stone promotion for, for nearly everybody, wasn't it? So... But what annoys me is obviously, like you said, you were there ten years. You've been you've been doing it for ten years, and yet, but then they still call you like the rookie or whatever. They still, when you first join, I, I've never understood that. It's like someone goes to the person, they go, "Oh, look at this rookie." It's like, well, hang on a second, they've got like 20, 25 years. What are you on about? Like that makes no sense. I think I know, that's more, they, probably more a WWE thing than anything else. It's, it's their point of reference, isn't it? From when they when they they they, they from when they first see you, isn't it? You know. Yeah, I, I just find it quite I've, funny. I've never understood the WWE concept either. I'm not trying to slag anybody off. I'm just like, how power it's, um, where am I going with this? Like they, oh, you can't go anywhere else. You will be here. This is where you stay. We can't talk about any of the promotions. We can't, you know, whereas obviously Impact, uh, Ring of Honor, that sort of thing, they just go, oh, if you want to go to Japan, yeah, it's absolutely fine. Oh, if you want to go and wrestle on Ring of Honor, you come back to Impact and then yeah. go over to AEW. So, I mean. I think, I, the, I think the difference might be that, 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 that. The WWE are paying like three or four times as much as those. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but they're like literally like shifting as many people out as physically possible now. Now they are, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it, you know, they obviously. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I, I'm, no, I understand. I'm not gonna say that I have an opinion either way because I do. But they clearly feel that they can't utilize everyone they've got on their roster, so they're trimming it because of that, which is fair enough if, if, if that's the case. Um, it's it's just a shame there isn't a bigger market outside of them that can then can, that can utilize those people. I agree, but yeah. then I th- I feel they should mix in with the with AEW and with Impact and whatever, and they should all mingle and have everybody move everywhere because I think that's a that's a genius in my opinion. If I was if I was Vince, that's what I would think, <laughs> right. I'd be like, actually, I want to get involved with everyone. Let's all work together as a cohesive unit rather than all well, these people are mine. You know, I'm yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's a shame that way. Yeah, you're working. You're working back to the old, almost territory. Because it's the territory days, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah it worked quite well. Yeah, he sought to destroy that. So <laughs> <laughs> I destroyed it. I would not put it back together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you said about going to Japan. Was getting over to Japan? Obviously, that must have been a dream come true for you. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that was my ultimate goal anyway um, from the start of my career. Because obviously, I recognised that you know my size, my my. I don't want to say charisma or lack of. I didn't, it wasn't a lack of charisma, but my <laughs> the way I approached wrestling was more of a sports person rather than an overtop fanboy and entertainer type character. So I knew that Japan was probably better fit for me in terms of career longevity and, and making a full time career out of it. So to actually get that call and um, have the opportunity to go there was, yeah, as you say, was was a dream come true and kind of the pinnacle of my career up to that, up to that point. <laughs> it was pro wrestling. No, you went. Correct, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was quite, I kind of lucked in there as well because obviously they split from all Japan. And um, if you, I don't know if, you, you know if you're familiar with all Japan, um, but they always used to have kind of a token British wrestler in there. So it was like <laughs> Pete Roberts originally, um, 
They'd had the Bulldogs there for a period of time. Then they had a guy called Johnny Smith, who was actually Canadian. They built him as a cousin of the Smiths. No. But he was their token British-style wrestler. Um, and when they split from all Japan, he decided he was going to retire at that point rather than go over to Noah. He decided he would retire. So they didn't have a, a British wrestler any, or, or anyone that represented the British style. So I kind of lucked out in that they, they saw me and thought, oh, that Doug will fill that spot for them. Um, that's how I kind of perceived it, you know, um, which, which, was, which was great from my point of view. Um, the other story I always tell as well is that um, the first tour that I was on was the first tour after Vader stopped working for him. So I said, oh, I was just a replacement for Vader because I've got the same colour hair as him. <laughs> <laughs> when I asked for his wages, they weren't very impressed, so. <laughs> <laughs> I just got this image of you walking in and they go, it's time, it's time, it's dog time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But how long were you in Japan for? Uh, I was there from 2003 to 2009. Oh, wow. uh, and they uh, my contract was uh, 20 weeks a year. So I do kind of four tours in succession, usually over the winter months. So I'd have four tours over a span of six months and then the rest of the year I'd just like wrestle in the Indies at home in America and Germany. So it worked out quite well for me in that respect. But the money they paid me pretty much covered my whole year, thankfully. So anything else, when I, well, anything else I earned when I was back here was a bonus. <laughs> That's amazing. The one thing I hear most from wrestlers who have been over to Japan and stuff like that is the culture shock. Sure. Yeah. How, how was that for you, like, that first tour? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you don't know what to expect. and it, it, it is a culture shock. I'll tell you what, the, you know, if you go somewhere like Germany or if you're France, uh, you might not speak the language, but you can... If you read some words, you have a fair understanding. Oh, maybe, oh that's a cafe. I can see that. Yeah, that's a hairdresser. I can kind of work out the words from the letters. In Japan, you do not have that. You do not have that luxury. No. Obviously, their outfits totally different. You cannot look at any signs. You cannot read anything. You cannot even begin to fathom what anything is. Um, so you just feel totally helpless. You feel like you know you, you might as well be stuck on a desert island. You, you, and the other and the other thing is that. The majority of their country don't speak any English. You know, if you go to a European country, you probably find someone who speaks one or two words of English. Get through, no chance over in Japan. Nobody speaks English. You know, they always, they don't even fathom what you're trying to say to them. So it, it, that that that's the hardest thing, and it makes it very interesting. And it, and um, it, it it's just it just you get your head around it, and you you figure out how you're going to work your way through it, and find places to go and um, how you communicate with these people, then it, it becomes a lot, lot easier. So, if you arrested Japanese people, then that yeah. must, you know, because obviously you have to communicate in some way of how mm. things are going to play out. So that must have been nuts. Like, no, no. I mean, that, they obviously used to working with foreign people anyway. Um, most most moves are called in English, even though you probably can't understand what they're saying half the time. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> No, I mean, like, no, I mean, that, that was the least of my worries, really. They, they actually, when it came to putting matches together, it wasn't a problem. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I just, I've never thought of it that way, because obviously, obviously you communicate somehow. I don't know if you were just like, if there's like signals or something that you would do. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, there are, there are little signals. And I have to say this as well. The Japanese have trained, trained so well that it's easy to wrestle them anyway. Yeah. Even if you can't speak to them at all. 
they know what's happening. They, they've got the timing. They understand what's going on because they're so well trained, you know, and, and you know, they, they'll spend three, four, five years just training before they even get in the ring in front of a paying audience. So, uh, you know, that, that, whole, that whole issue of, oh, no, we, you know, is the match going to go how I want it to? Are we going to have a decent match? Never really, never really worried me at all. That's good. I was over there, yeah. yeah. Excellent. That's awesome. So you're probably most well-known for your time in TNA or Impact sure. or whatever name they're going by this week. <laughs> you achieved a lot in that company, you know, multiple title wins. You're in a stable with Ric Flair, for God's sake. But most notably is, is British Invasion with Magnus and Rob Terry. Mm-hmm. How did that team come about? Was this yours and Magnus's idea, or whether you just told you're in a team? <laughs> no, no, I, th- I, I, I don't. Well, I do know actually. What a liar! I <laughs> don't know. I do know. So I was signed to them in 2008, um, and uh, primarily because they had a, their first ever British tour and they wanted a new charm there. And obviously, I was recommended for all the people, all the wrestlers I already knew in TLA. Um, but I still have some Japanese tours outstanding. So I said to them, listen, I can't commit anything to you stateside until I finish my Japanese tours. My Japanese tours finished, uh, I think my contract ran out February 2009. So I did my Japanese tours. Okay, so they kind of, even though I was signed to TNA, I was kind of on the shelf with them, which was fair enough because I was working in Japan. Um, and then come March 2009, I got a call from Terry Taylor, who was kind of talent relations at the time, said, oh, we've just signed... <laughs> We've just signed this other guy from England called um, Nick Aldis. Yeah, he's a young lad. Um, you know, we saw him on Gladiators and uh, this and the other. Um, I was like, yeah, okay. Um, he goes, yeah, so we want to put you in a tag team. Um, and he goes, uh, and he went to great lengths to try and reassure me that I'd be the captain of the tag team. And I'd be <laughs> dictating everything they were doing. And, all and I was thinking, I don't really care about that. I was like, just kind of happy that they'd had some sort of plan. So um, I think the first set of TV tapings we did was May 2009. I knew Nick, obviously, from, from England, uh, working on shows there. Um, and we just took it from there. And we just basically decided that we're just going to have a lot of fun with it, you know, just be really over the top and, and ridiculously British and, and just, just, I mean, I can't say we loved the name, but it did grow on us. And they wanted us to wear this Union Jack outfits, which is kind of totally alien to both of us. Yeah. <laughs> So we just decided, right, we're just going to have a lot of fun with it and, and just, just just camp it up and, and what have you. Um, so, yeah, it was just kind of spun on me like that, really. So, um, what, did, did they tell you to wear the British flags or did you decide Yeah, they, they, they made all that out. Of course they did. Of course they yeah. did. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd never even considered wearing long tights before then. You know, I was very much a trunks and boots. Yeah, style, yeah. Wasn't I? And yeah, yeah, absolutely. They just, they gave, I mean, they gave us the, you get a piece of paper with it drawn on, this is your outfit. So we're like, Okay, we can see where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, so, and then obviously, you know, so they made it for us and, and, and we wore it and, and just decided we're going to have a lot of fun with it. And what else can we do, really? Well, exactly. And, you know, for, for me, it was interesting because it was totally different side to what I had been doing. Obviously, very serious wrestler, serious in Ring of Honor, serious wrestler in Japan. Now we're just going totally the other way and just, just going to have a laugh with what we're doing and, and create as much fun as possible. So that's what we tried to do, you know, just be hating heels, uh, wind up the American audiences as much as we could. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, when you enter the ring, I've always wanted to know this. Obviously, wrestlers have their signature thing where, like, 
I don't know, Austin goes on the top rope to the rock, puts his arm in the air. Yeah. You grab your wrist and shake your head. Mm. Is there any significance? Is there anything to do with that? Or is it just... Yeah, we, um, we stole it from, from William Regal. He used to do that in WCW. Yes, he did. And we, and we were like, what can we, what can we do that, that everyone's going to understand? We're like, you know, <laughs> so me and Nick were like, we'll just go on. We just really make it over the top. <laughs> and then kind of when we split and then I obviously had my ex-division run, run yeah. uh, ex-division title run, and, and Nick was kind of on the sidelines then. I just carried on and just exaggerated it to the nth degree. And it's kind of stuck with me, which is ridiculous in its own right. But, you know, I'm glad something got over at least. <laughs> I, loved I loved it. I, every time you guys used to come out, if I was watching it, I'd just sit there watching Tim and I'd go, Start doing it with it. I, I fucking I loved it so much. It's so basic, but so British, and just yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. I loved it. Yeah, it's supposed to be adjusting our cufflinks, aren't we? And it, it popped me when on um I can't remember what Bond movie it is. Daniel Craig he falls through the train and lands, and he does this. I was like, oh, there we go. So terrible. Why didn't he shake his head though? Yeah, exactly. Bond's the a fan, sorted. Yeah, the blog writer's going, oh, that Doug Williams is uh, oh, lovely. We'll put that in there. <laughs> Daniel, you didn't shake your head. Oh, it's yeah. too late now. We've done it. We've done it. It's fine. <laughs> too many takes already, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned about that X Division title run then. And, you know, that is a division that truly makes TNA stand out, I think. You know, sure, sure. It's, it's, it's brilliant. But what thing that makes that division stand out especially is the ultimate X match. Okay. Now you got to compete in a few of those, didn't you? Indeed, I did. Yes. They are nuts. Uh, but yeah. I've always thought they were what would look like if Gladiators had a wrestling challenge. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> so, how were they to compete in? Were they fun or they were just utter hell? Oh, horrible, horrible! Because <laughs> you always knew you had that one big bump coming. Yes. Um, and obviously, like a lot of the ones I did were like four or five, six different competitors. Um, so there was always one guy that was willing to take a crazy bump. Not me, I must say. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, you know, a, a lot of it involved a lot of teasing of falling off, and you'll try to climb that wooden cable you're wearing the gloves, aren't you, to try and do it? Um, and it's just how do you keep it interesting without everybody going crazy and, and hurting themselves? You know, and that was always the toughest to try to challenge in those sort of matches. Um, and but I think I, you know, I, I did it on the whole. I enjoyed doing them. The one, the few, few that I did. I think we headlined Wembley on their first tour of Wembley. We headlined with one of those, um, and it's just kind of nerve wracking when you're up there on the cable and you're climbing towards the middle. <laughs> that's, a, that's the thing that always made me think of gladiators. It's just like, yeah, <laughs> especially with the other ones chasing after them. We're just waiting for John. Right. <laughs> but um, no, it's just you don't, you know. Obviously, you don't relish taking those big bumps. No, I um, imagine not. But, uh, yeah, it was okay. It was okay. It's better than a cage match. So. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't TNA have like a hexagonal ring as well? They had a, a six-sided yeah, six ring. Yeah. Side ring yeah, they did. What? What? Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, I what think makes... they thought it made them stand out from the competition. Which, to be fair, you know, it was kind of their, you know, it was their their. their their trademark thing wasn't it to have the six sided ring, but it's yeah. a horrible ring to bump in. No, I bet because that's on, yeah, yeah, because that must yeah, it was solid logistic. as anything, and then the ropes because there's a short distance between the turnbuckles. Yeah, that's not the ropes are even tighter than normal, so it's like hitting us. Yeah, yeah, and obviously oh. as well because the, the ropes are like sp- splayed further when you go to the top, 
your your you know your likelihood of slipping or falling off is much greater because it's greater than that ninety degree angle, then, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's yeah. three hundred and sixty divided by six, sixty degree angle. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was it was awkward. But yeah, I mean, you learn. You, obviously, after a few times of being here, you got used to it. But it, it was always quite strange. I bet that's probably why I stopped in the Asai Moonsault because obviously there's not much give in the rope, is there? <laughs> no, barely, barely anything. And like, if like someone takes off to hit the ropes, instead of going, instead of having four options of where they're going to come at you from, you've got like six options. Yeah. You, 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 you're feeding up like, where are you going from? And they, boom, they hit you, you know? It was just, it's just things like that. <laughs> so you used to throw you, you know? But, um, and then as soon as you got used to it, of course, they scrapped it and went back to a four-sided bridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now you style, you know, so there we are. But obviously, I mentioned as well, during your run, mm. you were part of Fortune. Yeah, so okay. When you were growing up, reading these magazines of all different parts of the world, you must have seen Ric Flair in, like, mm. every magazine. That must have been in, quite insane to be in a stable with Ric Flair. You know what, though? But as much as, you know, I always read about how amazing he was and this, that and the other. He was never one of my favourites, Flair, for whatever reason, because I always liked um, the big powerhouse type mm. guys. So um, the I was more excited when I had I was, had the chance to do a programme with Scott Steiner than I did with... <laughs> yes! Because <laughs> the Steiners were absolutely my favourites when I was growing up, even before I'd even seen them wrestle from the magazines. They were just so... They looked so tremendous, you know, and I knew they were hard asses and they kicked hell out, you know, beat the hell out of people. So, um, yeah, that was that was tremendous. But I'm not taking away anything away from Rick, of course. The opportunity to, you know, work with him and understand how how you know how he cuts promos and how he projects himself and what he does was was a great learning experience. Um, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll say that for sure, for sure. You pulled a bit of a face when I mentioned Fortune. Were you not a fan of that? Well, it was funny because if you if you watch it, the original four the original Fortune was four guys, and it made perfect <laughs> sense. And yeah. then they had the then they had the bright idea to add me and and, and Matt Morgan to it, which was six guys. <laughs> and even we even we were fighting it, saying it doesn't make any sense. You've got four <laughs> guys there. Don't just add another two. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh no, but then we're going to do this thing where you'll break off and you're going to turn baby face. And so, of course, I go with it, don't I? But I, that was the thing at the time. I always, and I always felt that they, as much as they were my friends and the guys that were in Fortune, they also felt, felt the same way. They're like, you know, we've got a stable of four guys for Fortune. Why are you adding these two other guys to it? You know, I always felt that little bit of an outsider to it. But um, six tune. A, a six tune, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A six piece, whatever, but <laughs> yeah, that was always that always felt kind of weird to me. But um, you know, whatever. That's yeah. what they paid me to do, wasn't it? So until you <laughs> mentioned him, I completely blanked about Scott Steiner and TNA for some unknown reason. Because he was there for that long. Tremendous. Is he yeah. as mental as they make out? He is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, it's just. <laughs> And we got on really well as well because basically, you know, I just, when we wrestled, I just made him look fantastic, you know, and he always appreciates that. You're in there and you're bumping through him all over the place, making him look great. He's going he's, he's to like that. And um, yeah, we got on great. He doesn't pull any punches, obviously, verbally, I mean, you know, talking about people. 
Um, and you know, I also I toured with his brother in Japan as well, so I got to know Rick as well oh, wow. really well. So um, yeah, that, I mean, one of the highlights of my career is just getting to know those guys really well, and, 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 and you know, they were as great as I always thought they would be as people as well as, as wrestlers. That's amazing. So, <laughs> while you were with TNA, you became a trainer at OVW. Sure. Yeah. So. How was that experience? Was that your idea to step into a trainer's role or was that theirs? No, it wasn't. What was happening was um, after I lost the TV title, 2000, well, 2011, sorry, um, they really didn't have anything for me. So I was like, um, on at them, on at them, you know, I'm not doing anything, I need to do something, blah, blah, blah. Um, so there was their decision to say, oh, well, look, we've got, we decided OEW is developmental. We'll send you down there as a trainer. Um, you know, what do you think about that? And well, although I wasn't overly happy with it, because in my mind, I wasn't my career as a wrestler wasn't done by a long stretch. Um, I appreciated the fact that they were finding me something to do, and they were still going to pay. Pardon me, excuse me. Pardon me. <laughs> pay me for the privilege of doing it. So, yeah, I went along with it. Um, and you know, to be fair. Um, I learned a whole bunch of skills that I probably wouldn't have learned otherwise um, mm. because not only involved with the training of the wrestlers on a day-to-day basis, I was agenting the matches on house shows. I was actually booking the house shows as well, like the cards for the house shows. I was also writing their television along with our Snow, oh, wow. so I learned about putting together TV shows, producing the TV shows, um, and, and all that sort of thing that, that I probably wouldn't have learned otherwise, to be honest with you, or hadn't had experience of doing. So that for that for that reason it was beneficial. Um, I couldn't say it was the happiest time in my career, but it was it was definitely a learning experience and something that was worthwhile doing. Sounds like one of the things you didn't want to do, but you're kind of kind of glad you did it. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of, I'm glad I've got the experience of doing that, even though I wasn't too happy at the pos- position I was in at that time in respect to my career. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I just still thought I had a lot to give, you know, and, and, and obviously. New management had moved into TNA and they saw things otherwise. Um, so, and they uh, they basically kept me on until they decided they were going to shut the developmental anyway, which was like a year later or something, and they just released me from my contract. But, it's yeah. like, so you're writing the TV, so it's like, Doug, what? how are you winning the TNA title tonight? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've asked well, me I did win the OVW title, but you know, I want to say that wasn't me. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea. Doug leaves OVW and gets called back up to TNA. This is what's happening. Okay. Yeah, Bye. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so we've, we've mentioned so many incredible names that you've wrestled throughout your career, like Brian yeah. Danielson, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, I've got Sabu I saw, and even Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. yeah. The, are there any particular opponents who like stand out to you that was like, that was a good day at the office? Yeah, I've um, always loved wrestling Chris Daniels. We had a lot, lot of matches in early 2000s. They were always great, and they were always different as well, so I always appreciated that. Um, uh, I wrestled, obviously, AJ Styles, I wrestled in TNA. We had a little program going there. Fantastic again. I, I, you know, it's interesting because I always... <clears throat> there's a fan's perception of what makes a good wrestler. From a wrestler's point of view, until you step in the ring with them and actually work with them, yeah, you you don't know if they really are are good wrestlers or other people are making them look good. And in respect to Chris and, and, and AJ, definitely they're great wrestlers from a worker's point of view as well as from a fan's point of view. 
And the other person that I really, really wanted to find out about was Kurt Angle. And luckily I had that opportunity. I, I only had like a five minute match with him in TNA um, on TV. Um, but that, from those five minutes, I knew that he was fantastic and he was a real deal. As good as, as, good as, as, as they say he was. And I'm just uh, ashamed that I wasn't given longer, you know, a longer, longer match with him. Mm. I'd love to have like 20 minutes with him. It'd be fantastic. You took it apart on an incredible match. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so it's always interesting when you step in the ring with someone and say, yeah, you find out how good they really are. And you find out that they are fantastic. It's, it's always nice. It's, it's funny that you mentioned Kurt Angle because I went to one, he did a tour, he came over to the UK and did uh, okay. like a little tour thing. And he sure. was talking. He was talking about TNA, and he time he wrestled AJ Styles. He's like, you yeah. can tell AJ Styles one of the best was as fantastic as he is because I go to the back after a third match, being like, "Well, that was brilliant." And AJ's blowing out of his ass, going, "Yeah, that's great." Like, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> like absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I have great respect for Kangle. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is amazing athlete. So it's a shame you didn't get to wrestle him more, Doug. To be honest with you. Um, yeah, no, I know, I know. It's a shame. But how was like? What was life like out on the road then? Because obviously, if you you were doing, you say you're doing tours in Japan, you had to commit to those. But you're on TNA at the same time, and then in Ring of Honor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like, was there a lot of flying? Or because I know Americans drive a lot, but the country's fucking huge. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, there's no overlap. Uh, um, when I was TNA, I was just with TNA, um, and for the first year I was with them, I was still living in the UK. Um, first okay. two years actually first two years I was with them I was still in the UK do you know do you know the story about I was exhibiting champion and I was over here and then because of the volcano erupted I couldn't get back for the pay-per-view no no I don't know okay so I was, this is 2010 I was exhibition champion okay and then that volcano in Iceland erupted didn't yeah. it yeah I remember and that, yeah, all yeah. flights were grounded and they had a pay-per-view that week, the weekend I was supposed to fly back um, but I couldn't get back I was stuck in, in England. So they stripped me of the exhibition title at that pay-per-view. Whoa! Yeah. Bastards! And then when I finally got back on the, on the, on the, on the next set of TV tapings, I just won the TV title. I won the exhibition title back. Oh, well, that's all right. Were you scheduled to successfully defend on the pay-per-view then? As far as I know, yeah. Oh, thank yeah. They couldn't yeah, have just scrapped the match and waited for well, the tape. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? I know, I know. Well, there we go. Card subject but, um, to change. <laughs> well, like, the, the schedule for TNA wasn't that bad because they did their TV tapings in blocks. So you do TV, you do a pay-per-view on Sunday and TV Monday, Tuesday. Then you'd be home. And then maybe you do a house show loop the following weekend or maybe it would be the weekend after. So you, you pro- you'd probably do, like, maximum five probably 10 shows a month for them. So oh, it, wasn't, wow. it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that strenuous at all. Did they leave? Because um, they were Universal Studios, wasn't it? Yeah. So like the pay-per-view and the TV was all in the same place. So there's no traveling involved. Okay, and then yeah, the yeah. T- they did a house show loop, which was maybe Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You f- and they're all quite close. So you fly in on Friday, you know, um, rent a car and you just drive. And usually maximum three-hour trips between the venues. Oh, and nice. then home again. So that that was actually for me coming from uh, you know touring around England, touring around Japan, where you basically on the road every single day. It was easy. It was an easy schedule. Um, so same with England though. England's easy because it's like oh, you got a show in Sheffield. All right, that'll take me three hours. 
Yeah, but then you go, oh, I'm in Sheffield today, tomorrow I'm in Plymouth, and then the next day I'm in uh, Maidstone. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's not like you're, 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 you're moving around the map in an ordinary fashion. You know, yeah, you well, yeah. It's all over the shop, you know. Um, and you get Maidstone home to and Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't live in Ireland. What the, what the's going on here? Yeah, <laughs> I literally... Well, because you know, when you're an independent wrestler, you take all the bookings you can. You don't really think about the travel situation or, or where you're going to end up until after the, after the fact. You're like, oh, now I'm a little bit more picky and I'm a little bit older and more sensible. I, I kind of pick and choose my dates accordingly. But back in like the early 2000s, I was doing two, two 300 shows a year. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of crazy. And I'd be working out every day as well. And then, yeah, That's- yeah it was insane. I'm, I'm you know, yeah, I don't know how I did it. To be honest with you, no, I don't. I don't know how he did it either. But fair play. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I remember I had um, a Lexus, and in one year I put one hundred and fifty thousand miles on the Lexus. No, Jesus. Like, that's my. That's uh, that's uh, you know, that's me being an idiot buying a nice car and just <laughs> riding off in a year. So I that's stuck to like basics. I, I stuck to Mondeos and Escorts. <laughs> Little green Mr. Bean Mini. Yeah. I only made that mistake once, buy a nice car once, and then wrote it off in a year. You know, that's crazy. That's, 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 just, that's insane. Know. I don't know if that was possible. <laughs> it is. Unfortunately, it is, yeah. That, obviously, we're talking about like grueling touring systems to like that is yeah. what WWE is known for that grueling house show circuit. Did well, WWE ever appeal to you? Did you ever try and go there, or is it just never your? You know favorite? what they've asked, they they they. It, it's always been a matter of timing. They've asked me. They asked me. I've had six times they've asked me to to six times they've asked me to do um, come to their 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 tapings in England. Twice I've been there. Um, so, first time I got the call, 2006, I did a dark match room against Carlito. Um, at the time, I weighed 17 stone. They told me I was too small. So I'm, what? I'm five foot. I'm five foot eleven, and I weighed 17 stone at the time. They told me I was too small. They were looking for guys that were over 250 pounds and over six foot two. Um, and then the next four times they called me. I was always in Japan. I couldn't make the schedule. And then the very last time they contacted me was a day after I sent my TNA contract back to TNA. Oh. And, they, and, 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 and they phoned me and I said, sorry, guys, I've just sent my contract back. I can't, I can't work for you. And that was the last time I've spoken to them. And that was 2008, 2009, 2009. Yeah. I thought they might have contacted, you know, they did like the... Um... Why is the name completely scamming? The, the British Championship, the cup thing they did a couple of years ago in Blackpool. Yeah, I don't know. Um, what year was that? Oh. Uh, about five years ago now, something Yeah. I may have, I don't want to say I screwed it up, but I did. I was involved in the ITV thing, wasn't I, at that time, the World of Sport thing? Yes, of course. And yes, they did course. speak to me. They did speak to me, and I said, sorry, I'm doing the World of Sport thing, and that was it. Ah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One thing that's well, always you can't do one thing if you're doing the other, you know, they didn't clash. That's it, you know, it was just whatever happened to that world of sport thing. I enjoyed that, I thought that was going to come back. Well, I don't know, they uh, 
they had too high hopes for it, I think. They, um, the problem is, like, the shows, when we filmed the shows, the shows were really great, but none of the wrestling people had any involvement in the editing and the putting of the shows together after that point. I think that was a big failing Massive, from how it was yeah. presented. Um, and the spot they put it in, they were obviously overherping for two and a half, three million viewers, when they probably only got, at its peak, one and a half million viewers, which kind of dropped off to a million, which nowadays is good. If you look at other shows, but back in, I mean, we're only talking four or five years ago, aren't we? You know, they, they just didn't think it was enough, I think. So, it's a shame. Um, and then, and then, coupled with that, they're able to buy American programming for a fraction of the price of making their own, aren't they? So now they show AEW, they're probably not even paying half of what they pay for when they production costs of this. That's a very good making point. Making their own yeah, shows, you know. That's a very good point. Yeah, so it's unfortunate. So one thing that's always stood out to me in yeah. your career is mm. that wonderful and glorious finishing move of yours, Chaos Theory. Genuinely one of my favourite finishers of all time. I never forget one of the WWE games you could make your own finishing move. First thing I made was Chaos Theory. Oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> Where did that move come from? Was it something you came up with or did you adopt it from elsewhere? No, I, I came up with it. It's, it's an interesting story. So I was set, set to wrestle uh, Chris Daniels, probably the first time I met him. Um, and he asked me what my finisher was, and I said, oh, it's a German suplex. And he goes, is that it? Is that, <laughs> is that what all it is? I went, you know, I was young, whatever. I was like, yeah, yeah. you know. He goes, well, maybe you want to add something to it to make give it a little bit more pizzazz or whatever, just to make it a little bit special. So I, I took his advice on board, and I went back to the gym and just worked through things and, and this and that. And, um, yeah, came up with a chaos theory, ultimately. Yeah. And originally I was doing it off the ropes, but obviously a lot of rings are very small in England. So I made the decision to do it out of the corner instead, which kind of adds a little bit because obviously just flattening the mm. opponent in the corner first and rolling them up and, and, and giving them a suplex. Um, so yeah, I've got Chris Daniels to thank for that partially. Um, you know, a few other guys are training us down the gym with throwing ideas in to come up with something. Um, yeah, well, that's basically it. Um, I've seen it a couple of times. Uh, or variations of it um, from earlier tapes, but I, I've never ever seen. And the way uh, things I've seen, like I've seen a couple of guys from Mexico and Japan do it, but they would do the roll first, stop, there'd be a count, like obviously the O'Connor roll first count, and then they do the German afterwards. So they didn't put the moves together to make the, the flow mm. that I did. Um, but yeah, no, I never, I never saw anyone do it. No, I've never seen anyone do it before. So I loved it so much. I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, that is a move. Yeah. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. But I love moves like that. They're like, they're, they're simple, but with flair, you know, that, yeah. that, that looks like it fucking hurts. That is what it's logic. <laughs> the thing is, there's logic to it as well. There's a logic reason for the role. You're giving yourself more momentum for the German. The idea is, you, you know, there's more force with the German to knock your opponent out. So that's what I, always, I say to guys, if you're going to add anything to a move, you've got to, it's got to give the move something, not take away anything from it. It's got to have some logic and some meaning behind it. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, hence the Chaos Theory was born. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, after TNA, you returned to the UK indie scene, yeah. had an amazing run all over the country. I saw you wrestle in progress in Wembley. Defending okay. the Atlas the, against Trent Seven. Oh, the retirement match. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was there for that. It was, but uh, I've said at the end of 2018, you decided you were retiring. Mm-hmm. So you decided to come out and retire. What, was it 
but you said at the start was it was just the injuries and stuff like that that made you decide to hang up the boots. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. But what was it that made you find him? Because obviously, it can't be easy to say I'm not going to do this anymore. Was it a certain thing that made you went? I've got to do this. It's just, or was it just a culmination of tons of stuff? Well, coming back, you mean? Uh, retiring in the first place. Oh, uh, retiring. It was mainly my neck injury, to be honest with you. The neck. I was, you know, I, I, I was getting a lot of shooting pains down my arm. Um, I wanted to spend more time with my family as well, so that was that was a big deciding factor. Um, and really, I, I felt at that time that I pretty much done everything I could in wrestling for myself. Um, and there was a lot. The scene, as you know, the scene as it was then was exploding in the UK. There was so much talent about, so many great guys. Um, I was like in a mindset, oh, I'm going to take a back seat here, help the guys from behind the scenes, help the guys in seminars. I don't need to get in the ring and risk my my body anymore um, or stay a, away from home for long periods. And these were the kind of decisions I made back in 2018, which led to retirement. So, uh, yeah. Fair play. <laughs> so was obviously, anything more sinister than that? <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, then obviously you've now had the great comeback here in NWA, yeah. Um, yeah. and you're getting to do it with Nicardis again. Yeah, which well, is it, you know, it's, it's a little bit more to it than that because what actually happened is in 2020, I signed a contract with Ring of Honor. <laughs> okay, to be an agent. And do work up the shows for them because they had like they 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 wanted to do a past versus present show, didn't they? And they were bringing the mm, pure yeah. title back, so they were doing a pure title tournament. So I said to them, "Okay, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm I'm retired, but you know, it's a long time since I've been in America, so I'll go over there and do these shows for them. I'm work. I was going to work for them as an agent and part of the booking committee. Um, so I signed a contract with them in February 2020. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, then the uh, pandemic hit, um, so I ended up never going to America. Um, oh. So I was under con- I've been under- I was under contract to them for the last two years until the end of December. <laughs> to bring up and you haven't actually been there once. I haven't actually been there for them at all. That's- and then obviously they all shut they shut down in December and, and released everybody anyway, didn't they? So that's such a shame. Um, but as luck would have it, NWA wanted me. They wanted to do the whole reformation of the British invasion, so uh, I picked that up. Oh. absolutely amazing I love it yeah. I absolutely love it I'm so pleased you're back. I've never had the pleasure Doug of seeing you live oh really I yeah. have never had to, I've been to loads of attack shows um, I always try to get to progress but it always fucking sold out too quick every right, time okay. Um, okay. so I've not had the pleasure unfortunately but you are on my li- I've always wanted to watch you so hopefully one sure, day well, I'm sure we'll get the chance whereabouts do you live I'm in Cardiff oh in Wales okay. I'm doing um, oh, let me have a look might have something here for you. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm looking yeah. on my old... Um, oh, Ponticlin. Ponticlin? Ponticlin. Right? Ponticlin, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <And> the, <laughs> my calendar's right there. You can probably sit... Wait, in the mirror, can you sit? Yeah, yeah Ponticlin in, uh, in May, funnily enough. Beautiful. Date? Am I allowed uh, to ask that? Yeah, the 8th of May. Slam Beautiful. Masters. Slam Masters. Slam, okay, I'm getting that. I'm, I'm getting that on my calendar. Look out for them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll be there for that, hundred um, percent. But you said you felt like you'd done everything you wanted to do. But is sure. there anything you've always wanted to accomplish that you never have done at all, or do you feel like you've pretty much? I mean, the only thing for me now is to, is to 
maybe wrestle in certain venues that I'd always, always, you know, always fancied, you know, like a Madison Square Garden or something oh, of that yes. nature. You know, places that are legendary kind of thing. And I was gutted because I was originally scheduled to go out to NWA in August when they ran um, St. Louis, the St. Louis, the Chase Hotel. Yeah. Mm. Which is obviously a famous wrestling venue. Um, but I missed out on that. Which I was no. Because of, because of the pandemic. But um, COVID. it's more a case of that. It's travelling places that I've never been, you know, and, and just getting to experience those, really. Where have you always um, wanted to go? Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, uh, certain places in New York, I've always wanted to go. I've never wrestled at the ECW Arena, so that'd be good. You oh, know, um, yeah, you know, uh, it's just just getting new experiences and, 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 and where I've never been before, places, new countries even. You know, I've never been to Mexico. That would always be interesting to go there. You know, I always managed to miss it for, for whatever reason. I've always had the offers, but I've been clashed with other things, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's more that than anything kind of major in terms of career goals. You've had, you've had quite the career, though, Doug. You've had a huge career. Yeah. Incredible. Maybe I can win the NWA world title. That's that as well. well yeah, beautiful. Just yeah. adds to the list of accolades, no? That's it, absolutely. <laughs> I've never had a heavyweight one. I've never had a heavyweight world title, so maybe that. Have you not? No. That is, that's disgusting. I know, right? Tag titles, never world title, never single title. Though. I, I've got some emails to set. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you absolute <laughs> bastards. <laughs> so, is NWA the plan for the time being? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, on their next set of tapings in March, and then yeah, going forward with them to see what happens. I quite enjoy it there. I like the style of what they do. I like the setting and. And I know a lot of the guys there, and it's, it's just great fun. The atmosphere backstage, there's no pressure. Um, it's just it's just a fun fun experience. And it must be great getting to tag with Nick again as well. Of course, yeah. I mean, that's that's that's, that's fantastic. And the reception we got as well was amazing. Um, so hopefully that will continue. And obviously, he's much more experienced now than he was when we first tagged. So the potential for the team is much much greater. I think. And he has a better name now as well. <laughs> Brutus Magnus. That always made me laugh. What are you talking about? I pitched to him to get that name back. When <laughs> so I just want to wrap, start wrapping up now because we're getting on. But okay. with this boom in British wrestling over the past few years, to the point, you know, like WWE have got their own bloody UK division now. Um, sure. Are there any stars that you've seen competing or competing against on the UK circuit? That you're like, they have got things coming for them. They have got unbelievable potential yeah well obviously a lot of the guys that have that potential or are of a certain level are signed up by NXT or they've gone to Japan but there's still a lot of guys around on the independent circuit I mean like guys like Chris Chris Ridgway uh, Robbie X I think it's tremendous Uh, Ricky Knight Jr he's another great guy Mm. Um, there's the OJ MO (laughs) oh yes yes he's, he's really good as well um there's, uh, there's a lot of great tag teams as well. Aussie Open are floating about. They're, they're fantastic. Uh, the Young Guns. Uh, I mean, oh God, there's, I haven't even mentioned the women yet. Oh, no, boy. There's, there's quite so, so so many great female wrestlers around at the moment as well. Lizzie Evo and Lexus Falcon. And, and just uh, the list goes on and on, really. And I'm, I'm kind of hoping that, you know, rich wrestling bounces back um, to, to 
to how it was before the pandemic and all these guys can get the experience and, and, and notoriety that they deserve. I hope Absolutely. so. I hope yeah. so. I'm pleased that they're putting more of an emphasis on women's wrestling now because obviously it was like pathetic, stupid matches back in the early 2000s, you know, that WWE putting on like your mud bats and crap like that. Um, yeah, well, it, it was just a token match back then, wasn't it? Whereas now they're... they're, they're they're part of the roster, aren't they? And yes. It's, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not an attraction anymore. They're just another wrestling match, aren't they? They're treated yes. on an equal level to the men, and that's a good thing. How it always should have been, though. How yeah, of course. Been. That's Absolutely. where Impact always had my respect because yes. they treated yeah. that women's division like a women's division. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I agree with that. So, before we wrap up, Tom, have you got any more questions? Did you ever think when you first started out, Doug, that you thought this is where your life would have got to? This uh, No, not at all. When I started wrestling, all I wanted to do really was wrestle on the British circuit and just enjoy myself, maybe do two or three shows a week. And, you know, you always have these short-term goals and you think, you get to it and you think, what can I do next? You know, yeah. you have some ambition. <laughs> but no, when I started, I absolutely didn't think that I'd be able to travel the world, have all these great experiences, you know, work in all these different countries, make a living out of it. I never even contemplated that at that point. And you're still in fantastic shape, sir. Try Absolutely. Yeah. Look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, saw, I saw your Instagram post. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd been to your mate's wedding and you were like, and then this was the evening. It's like, yeah. yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> Don't you need a little bit of everything for everybody, you see, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, oh, he looks, looks dapper in a suit. Look at him there. Like, oh, damn. Now, okay, now we're talking. Here we go. <laughs> Trucks are out. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Doug, before we let you go, we like to play a little game with our guests, if you are willing to play. Oh, no. Okay, then. I'll give it a it's, go. It's, it's called the quick fire round. We basically ask you five questions and you answer them as quick as you can. And you're going to know okay. the answers because it's all about you. Yeah. So, okay. Right. First question. Your go-to karaoke song? Oh, my go-to karaoke. Wonderwall by Oasis. Oh, oh that's a yeah. choice. The most British answer you know, um, that could have been I, given. I mean, I don't know if you know much about... Sorry, I'll just expand on it a little bit. But I don't know if you know much about um, the foreigners that used to tour in Noah much. But one there was one American guy called Bison Smith. He was like the Bison, yeah. main heavyweight. He used to love that song. And he every time we went out, he would demand me I sung it. <laughs> You've got to sing Wonderwall for me. So it was the first thing I did. And I, grew, I, I learned to love it because of that. So there we go. Brilliant. That's amazing. That's that amazing. is brilliant. Now, I know we're talking to an athlete who looks after his body here, but favourite pizza topping? Oh, it's going to be controversial. It's pineapple, I'm afraid. No. I will get the hottest, spiciest, dirtiest pizza you can find. <laughs> I'll add pineapple to it every single time. You've got to have that little bit of sweetness to go with 100%. The, Look, the, the <laughs> health, healthy section. That's right. That's it. That's it. <laughs> oh, your favourite joke? Oh, my favourite joke? I don't know. It's hard to go the spot. That is tough, I isn't know, it? Yeah. That is tough, isn't it? I saw one today that was quite funny. I'm going to move that to my phone for this. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Dad, dad jokes are always the way to go. Oh, they are yes. a win. They yeah. are a big win. Yeah. yeah, I started a nightclub for men with erectile dysfunction. It was a total flop. Nobody <laughs> came. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh, this has been brilliant. Oh, it's brilliant. I love that. Oh, right. Last ones. 
If you could give a piece of advice to younger Doug Williams, what would you tell him? Don't sign that TNA contract. Wait for the fall from WWE. It would either have been that or stay in Japan <laughs> for a few more years. <laughs> and last but not least, yeah. who would play you in the movie of your life? Oh, I'd like to think it would be Tom Hardy. Oh, he's got the same, oh. got the same hair colouring as me, so you know. <laughs> I could see that actually. Yeah, I could definitely yeah. see it. Yeah, if he bulked yeah. up like when he was Bane, I could definitely see that. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Tell all my female fans that, can you? <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll see. <laughs> Let me just get my phone. Hang on. <laughs> Considering Tom Hardy's the man of a thousand voices, I'm sure he could do the accent as well. So sorted. Well, he, yeah, he's English, isn't he? Isn't oh yeah, I don't yeah. Really know. Is it, yeah, he is. I, isn't he? he yeah. does. His voice changes every time I see him on TV. I've no idea where he's oh, from. Relax, then, isn't he? Oh yeah. <laughs> Doug, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for doing this. No, no problem, guys. I enjoy myself. It's good. Yeah, it's so. good to do something a little bit different from the normal kind of interviews and podcasts that I can tend to rope myself into so yeah we, we, I mean we, we try to stay away from like you know the bog standard formalities that everyone goes for we try to make cool. it a bit more just of a laugh and just like like yeah. mates hanging around having a beer or you know a cup of tea with nan or whatever um, yeah. just like one of those things rather than like you know where you've got people like you need to ask these questions and these questions only and it's all like regimented like a bit yeah, yeah. yeah. so that's no, what it's, been great. It's, been yeah, it's been so much fun Doug thank you so much for your time we really appreciate you so good I hope your uh, listeners enjoy it yeah I'm sure I'm sure they will sorry Jamie yeah. but before we let it go I was going to say have you got any plugs social medias things you want people to go out there and check out yeah absolutely I mean um, I'll try to plug my Instagram which is at Doug Williams GB just trying to build that up really um, I've got photos of my past career what I get up to currently I put all my you know, all the, all the promotions for my upcoming shows on there as well. Um, and also I have Twitter, which is at Doug Williams UK. Um, same thing again, I tend to just put my shows on there, promote what I'm doing at the time, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, people can go visit them. They'll get all the up-to-date information on what, where I am and what I'm doing. Absolutely beautiful. beautiful. Okay. And, I, and I'm going to see you on May the 8th in Pontley Club. There we go. Make sure you, yeah. Make sure yeah, you I'm looking forward to it. I can tell them I sold one ticket at least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if, if I see you in Birmingham, you'll sell a ticket there. Oh, brilliant. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> it's the only ones that count, Doug. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> this has been amazing. Doug, enjoy the rest of the evening, sir. Thank you so much again. And uh, we'll let you know when this is released. Okay, guys. Thank you very you much. Take care, so much, Doug. Thank you. Take Thanks care. Bye-bye. 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 Just a superb interview. I had so much fun talking to Doug. Just amazing. And when we recorded that, the intro thing you hear at the start of the show, just nailed it in one. Job done. Yeah. Smashed out. It's like he's been doing promos for years. I was going to say, yeah, just like like he does promos for a living. But uh, just incredible stories. The people he's been in that ring with, the people he's helped. Just, yeah, just absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. Well, yeah, yes, again, like we said, Doug, thank you so much for taking the time out because it was just, again, one of those guests where you're like, oh, damn, we're going to talk to this person. So, so we're thoroughly excited about it. Um, but we hope that you guys enjoy listening to it as we did recording it. Mr. Stevens. Oh, hello, sir. It is 
audience participation time. Let's do this shit. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to participate in Jamie's participation challenge. This week I said, this one is just plain old silly, but let's see how much we can make Tom laugh. What movie completely changes its plot by simply changing one letter in the title? What is your new movie about as well? What say you, Mr. Stevens? Have you got anything? One letter. Literally change one letter in the movie. Light Club. It's all about <laughs> women sitting around talking about eating salads. <laughs> I'm disappointed I wasn't there. That is amazing. I like that. Thank you, mate. It's the first thing I could think of. We had some amazing responses to this. I'm so these had me in tears, some of these. So hopefully they're gonna make you laugh. Because that's the plan. Lindsay Hooper says. Hamby. It's like Bambi, but replace all the deer with pigs. Nice. That's a cool idea, that is. And she also says, The Fart and the Furious. All the cars are fueled by massive farts sponsored by Heinz. Cool. I feel like you're trying to purposely not laugh now. Oh, no, I just, no. <laughs> Graham Arnold hit us with some fast answers. No, no explanations, just the lady and the cramp. <laughs> yeah. Womb Raider. <laughs> yeah. Beauty and the Yeast. The nice. filth element, sad max, and lick ass. <laughs> Former guest Lisa Clemens chimes in with Tush Hour to porno starring Chris Tucker. <laughs> Sid Coon says Fat Man versus Superman, Dawn of Just Ice. Superman helps a fat guy with a new diet, which includes only eating ice water. Fair enough. <laughs> Ian Robinson. Ghostbusters. It's an offbeat comedy about a group of homeless musicians who get run over by a bus. <laughs> That's clever. I like that one a lot. Spencer Clayton, Star Wart, following the exciting adventures of some bloke with a wart that's shaped like a star. <laughs> David Hall. The Fridge on the River Kwai, an expose on the horrific levels of fly tipping on particular stretch of river in Burma. <laughs> <laughs> this one killed me off. Wayne Jones, Lard of the Rings, a fat bloke eats onion rings for 13 hours across three movies. <laughs> Paul Rudridge, Allen's, a colonial. M- co- a crew of colonial marines are terrorised by a swarm of Tim Allen clones. Cool. <laughs> Another one of my favourites. Chris Barton, Titanic, a luxury passenger liner sinks after hitting 3.14 icebergs. Lie <laughs> 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 hard. The life and times of Boris Johnson escaping Christmas parties via the air convents whilst wearing a white vest. Fucking hell. David Hall. Vanilla skips. Tom Cruise goes behind the scenes of a KP factory to oversee the launch of a controversial new flavour of the beloved corn snack. I love skips. <laughs> Badger, Badger Dubgale. 127 sours. One man's pub crawl to drink 127 shots of <laughs> apple sours. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Martin Jellyman, 
Empire Strikes Bank. With the destruction of the first Death Star, the Empire is on the verge of bankruptcy, so the Emperor organises a bank heist. I would watch the shit out of that film. Fair enough. <laughs> Scotty Bradley, Lambo, Sean the Sheep is sent to Vietnam and causes much bloodshed. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart Kayser, the Italian jab, scientists in Milan seek to create the perfect coronavirus vaccine. And last but not least, Steve Dalliston, The Longest Mard, a behind-the-scenes documentary following my wife's reaction when I don't do what I'm told. That's brilliant. I have literally laughed so much at some of these answers. There's some great answers right there. Just a quick one, though. Hello. We talked about lamb. Why? So beef is cow. Yes. Yes. We eat cow. Pork is pig. Yes. But then we eat sheep we eat sheep's children. You can eat older sheep, but I can't remember what it's called. Mutton. Okay, I suppose. It's just like, yeah, I have a cow. Very we'll true leave, though. Leave their babies alone. Need to you know. Oh, you can have pigs. Yeah, it's absolutely fine. But you must eat sheep's kids. Yeah, it's weird. It's like sheep. The kids is the normal thing, and the older sheep is the posh thing. So With weird. cows. Adults is normal and babies is the delicacy. It's so weird, isn't it? Butchery is weird. Yeah, I don't get it. That's what I want to say, right, Lamb. But guys, thank you so much for your audience transmission answers. We really appreciate you participating in Jamie's Challenge every single week. <coughs> Excuse me, Corona. We also <laughs> really enjoy that you, uh, if you also enjoy Callum's teachings, Tom's journal, the interviews that we deliciously put out for you every single week, they are so tasty. It's insane and you enjoy the bullshit that we speak every single week, then you'll enjoy the other 25 editions of the Chronicles of Podcast available wherever you get your podcasts from, whether that be Spotify, Google, Apple. Mm. You can also find us on YouTube at the Chronicles of Podcast. Please hit that subscribe button uh, because we would really, really appreciate it more than you could ever possibly physically and unbelievably imagine. Uh, which you can also find our interviews are showing full and also hashtag WBW way back Wednesday yeah. is on there as well. This week with the lovely Georgia Smith, the daughter of WWE Hall of Famer, David Boy Smith, a.k.a. the British Bulldog. You can also come and find us on the Facebook at the Chronicles of Podcast. Please hit that like button. It's all down there. Have a read. Have a read. Have a read right now. Go and go and find that right now. Right now. I'll wait. It's fine. And also, Jamie, where else can you find us? Um, in the trees. On the Twitter. Oh, there. At TCOPod. That's TCOPod. Where else can you find us, Jamie? Uh, I don't know. On the Insta. Oh, I should At TCOPod. You can also find us on the TikTok, which we've now started utilising some more, at TCOPod as well. You can also come to our beautifully, deliciously, sexy, wonderful, wonderful little, great little, incredible little, beautiful little website at www.thechroniclesofpodcast.com where you can find all about us, you can find all of our shows on there, and all of our sponsors, whether that be Stay Cozy, the Sophie Lancaster Foundation, or the Audio Drama Feed, formerly known as Syscast. The Chronicles of Podcast. Downloaders, reviewers, sharers, raters, tell all of your friends about us allow us into your ears but most importantly only knock on door number 111 when listening to us 
What on earth is that a reference to? Nothing. <laughs> okay, you just made it up. Fair enough. Yes. <laughs> I noticed you didn't say podcast this week. I didn't say podcast last week either. Did you not? I thought you no, did. No, I did not. Yeah, did not anyway. It is funny, and I will remember to do that from next week. Before we get out of here, Mr. Stevens, should we say thank you to a couple of friends of ours? First off, Mr. Matt Roberts for our delicious music. I absolutely love that intro music. It gets me pumped every single time. Go check him out at Matt Roberts Music. He's got new music out of his own right now. Go check it out on the old Spotify. Matt Roberts Music. And big thank you to our friends at Stay Cozy. If you're on the YouTube, you can look at that beautiful hoodie that Tom's wearing right there because... It's bloody cosy. It's comfortable. They are genuinely the comfiest hoodie I have ever worn in my life. Go look at everything they've got on that website. Add one to have everything to your basket and add that discount code at the checkout, The Chronicles, and get yourself a cracking 10% off. Because who doesn't want money off their shopping? Quite frankly. And of course... Every week, we like to raise awareness for the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. Go to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com to find out about all what they are doing to stamp out prejudice, hatred, and intolerance everywhere. It is a cause we massively believe in. And I've been saying for a little while, I want to arrange a sponsored event to get some money raised. I think I'm going to set a date for that very soon. I'm going to look at the calendar, look at the weather, and I think we should set a date for that soon and get that really sorted. So look out for that in the next couple of weeks. And of course, a massive thank you to our friends at Audio Drama Feed with their amazing audio dramas. Check them out. They've got so much content out there already. So much to come up. I was looking on their website and just scrolling for days that all these new titles are coming up. It's going to be some amazing stuff to listen to. So go check all that out as well. And one last thank you to this handsome son of a gun because I love doing this with him every single week. We do. I do enjoy this with you too, Jamie. Don't you worry. The feeling is mutual sire. Another incredible day. Uh, day? Another incredible show, might I add. <laughs> Feels like a day. Good. So there's been knackering, but it's been good. But this show has been so much fun. We love it. We do. Doug, thank you so, so much again for joining us on the Chronicles of Podcast. We really, really appreciate it that you took the time out. And we just bloody well love talking to you. It was so much fun. Uh, and if you can, guys, if you're massive wrestling fans, make sure you check out his Instagram at Doug Williams to find out all where he'll be going, etc., etc., etc. Um, I think that's it for this week, isn't it? Definitely. I think uh, just going back to what I said, though, Doug puts all of his shows out on his Instagram uh, and his Twitter. Um, I know he's on there. I just can't remember the end of his handle. It said the interview. You heard in the interview, so it, you know, I think it's, it's all... at Doug Williams GB. Something like that, yeah. I think I failed. I failed him. I failed him. I'm so sorry, Doug. I'm so sorry. Watch out, he doesn't run behind you and give you a chaos theory for that. You guys have enjoyed this show as much as we have recording it, Jamie. Hello. As for this week, we are going to see y'all next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.